2: buying the books and you're like well okay let's uh let's figure out where we were a little bit over dramatic life ah, goes we on weren't. man the jags aren't very good sun that comes up is, tomorrow <laughs> that still is the case well guys, that Here is on true a tuesday yeah uh until okay, they nick prove falls. otherwise
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh you talking me nick Foles? yeah uh, you know at the end of the day i gotta get family and go home see them and it is what it is that's literally what he said <laughs> I know, did say that. I, well, that's what I was getting at. Yeah,
2: I, I, I'm aware, but that's something, I, that's something I'd probably say too. Oof, uh, yeah, get, it's so amazing. I said this to somebody today, last Wednesday, when Nick Foles talked and and uh, his, uh, you know, his sermon, if you will, that he called it, uh, to the press, went viral essentially, sure. and everybody was talking about it, praising it and everything, and and then on Sunday, a similar sermon didn't go over so well. <laughs> Well yeah, I mean <laughs> it's it's really you know I did think about this and we talk about this a lot right 24 hour rule and and how they you got to stay in a bubble, you got to put your blinders on, all those things. Is there a sense that sometimes the outside world understands how important that game was on Sunday more than the guys inside the building? And what I mean by that is we really believe that that was a massive game for the Jags. All I have to do is show you the standings and say, wow, that could have really changed things. We would be talking about now what if and what if and if they do this. But you're so even keel sometimes in, in, in the midst of a season on, on any day of the week and, and even on Sundays because you can't go a emo- You can't get too high, too low, all that stuff, right? You got to stay in a certain frame of mind. Correct. That in week 10 or ga- week 11, but game 10 of the season where it almost feels like you almost needed to treat that as a playoff game and your super bowl because it was that vital to kind of how everything else plays out is there does it happen that you don't really think about it like that you know you only usually no. think about those must win games later in the year but to me it was like the playoffs started for Jacksonville Sunday and it wasn't like maybe like what I call it is a double elimination tournament you could lose maybe once but if you lost again you were probably eliminated And I just wondered a little bit today, I'm like, I wonder if that even keel kind of attitude, you don't necessarily grasp in the moment like, man, this is it, like we we don't get a second chance if we don't win this
3: game. No, they absolutely knew it was at stake. And if for some reason they didn't, then you should go ahead and fire everybody right now. Because let's be honest, I mean,
2: it was Indianapolis
3: Colts. They were ripe for the picking. They had, at the end of the game, they had both their corners out. They are missing some wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton was out. I mean, it was there for the taking. And all you have to do if you're a player, and every player does this, is look at the standings. Doug Marone was in the meeting talking about, hey, here's who we are right now. Here's where we want to be. We got to beat the Colts to be where we want to be. Simple as that. So the players understood it. It's just the fact that, and I, I'm the first one to come forward and say that I suffered from this more than probably anybody it was the fact that you want to put on this facade for the media. You know, you, you basically want to say, I mean, for instance, my, the, the year with Mike Mularkey, it was a horrible year. All right. Yeah. And we didn't win a lot of games. When the microphone was in front of my face, I didn't say what I really wanted to say because I knew it wasn't going to be beneficial to the team, and I knew the PR people were probably going to yell at me for saying it. I just wanted to say, listen, we suck. We're trying hard out there, but we just suck. And it sucks hearing it on the radio. It sucks that the fans aren't happy. I'm not happy. We suck. That's what I wanted to say. But, you know, having to abide by the status quo, I was like – yeah, you know, I mean, we just, uh, we we play a little flat today, you know, I mean, and it starts with me and then the defensive line, you know, we have to take more pride and, uh, but I think, you know, we're going to watch the film, get better from there, come out next week and put on a good product and, and yada, yada, yada. You know, there's the, 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 the completely generic stuff and that's the way it's got to be. Uh, I'm not saying Nick Foles was generic because I think Nick Foles came from a place where he was speaking truthful. But people don't want to hear that. People want to hear the truth, obviously, but at the same time, players aren't going to really come out, at least for the most part, aren't going to come out and speak their
2: minds. Well, that's right. I mean, from a player's perspective, I'm not hammering Nick Foles for saying what he said. He's comfortable to say what he says, and he believes what he says, and he's true to that. I think he's genuine in that nature. I'm just telling you the perception of it from the fan base Wednesday before a game and then after the game is totally different. And it, it's almost like, why can't you feel our pain? Why can't you feel uh, the sense of urgency that we felt in this game? Why can't you feel like the season is probably over now because you guys have lost two games? And for a long, long time, I've said this for a long, long time, uh, that I think that's the disconnect between fans and players in, in every sport. No, it's not the disconnect
3: because Nick Foles does feel the pain. What the fans want is the accountability to be like, yeah, we didn't play a good game. Fans don't want to hear about, well, at least we got our families, at least we got our paychecks, at least we got our you know our, our, our kids to go home to. Fans don't want to hear that. Fans want to hear, here's what happened, here's what we did wrong, and here's how we have to correct it. Yeah, that's what fans fans want an explanation. Fans, I mean, if, if you're a true Jaguars fan, you should understand that the players in that locker room, they're not happy right now no one likes to lose. Since you're in Pop Warner, you don't like losing football games, all right? It hasn't changed just because you're making millions and millions of dollars now. So from that perspective, the players are feeling the fans' pain. But the fans want the explanations, and maybe they haven't gotten a lot of that.
2: Well, yeah, and and they also, but they do want this connection somewhere along the line. I say this a lot. I uh, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I say, and it doesn't necessarily relate to football, but I do think it felt that way in 2017. And I'll take you back because really the the biggest fandom I've ever had is being a Red Sox fan, and in New England the Red Sox were king. You know, the it didn't matter about the New England Patriots when I grew up. Any of that. It was the Red Sox. It was the disappointment of the Red Sox. It was 86 years without a World Series. It was 1986 Bill Buckner. It was 2003 with a lot of that team assembled, walk off home run, uh, Aaron Boone in Yankee Stadium, Game 7 ALCS, denied a chance to go to the World Series. But what I think that moment did for the Boston Red Sox, is kind of put them on the same wavelength as the fans. See, new play- players come into organization, and they feel this year, last year, however long I've been here, well, fans feel 86 years. Some fans feel 12 years. Some feel, feel 20 years. It's all cumulative to the fans. But to a player, it's not cumul- cumulative. Uh, you know, Carleus Campbell's been here three years. He, doesn't, he, he can't put 12 years of, of awful football together, you know, in terms of a feeling. So what I think happened in, like, the Red Sox, this is what I believe, in 2004 when they went back out there and they played the Yankees again and, and they got a little lucky and, and they were down 3 nothing, and they ended up winning, but there was this connection with the fan base because of the disappointment, the massive disappointment of the year prior, and that team was still kind of together, and then they could kind of relate to the fans. They're like, oh, we get it now. This does, this this more than is just your normal loss. This is awful. This is to the Yankees on a walk-off home run, and we were about to go to the World Series, and now we feel the weight of everything. I think the Cubs felt the weight of 100 years of that city because a lot of those players had grown up in the in Major League Baseball around that for a few years. And so I, I liken it a little bit to what the Jags did in 2016 to 17. In 2016, it was Gus Bradley's last year. Everybody thought, okay, they can win. They've got some talent to win. And they were so disappointed by the way that went 3-13. and 13. And a lot of those players, though, They took that experience and they turned it into the next year. And I think there was a connection between the last decade of losing from Jags fans and that locker room and that team and some of those young players that said, man, you're right. This does stink. I mean, we thought we were going to be good. We're not good. I I mean, I get it. That's like being a fan. And in 17, that kind of changed. You know, there was this little different. It was like everybody was connected. Like we get it, we're feeling this from the city, um, and and that's a disconnect that I think happens all across. But well, in in sports, compared because it's a different world. What happens inside that building is so different than what happens outside the building. Like again, I can tell. I can talk to some people in the building yesterday. And like, man, you were all fired up on the radio yesterday. It's like, yeah. You know why? Because selfishly for me, it's not from a fandom point of view. It's from a work point of view and kind of what I want to feel from the fans. And we had a little bit of that in 17. But 11 out of 12 years here in Jacksonville, we felt this in November and December. That's the disappointment of it right now. Well, how can I expect Chris Conley to feel that way? How can I expect name your player to feel that way? He hasn't been around here 12 years. You know, he can't draw that same connection. Chris Conley won, went to the playoffs, I think, all four years in Kansas City. This is new to him. Mm. Well, it's old to everybody here, you know, and I'm not putting anything on Chris Conley. I'm just saying that's where the disconnect is, where, where you cannot even gauge that, as a player the disappointment of the fan base. And it's not really your job to, but I just don't think you can even gauge it.
3: Uh, I disagree, because if we talk about connection or disconnection, it's simple. If you're winning championships, if you're winning ball games, there's going to be a connection there. Why? Because the fans are going to praise you. The fans are going to be like, he's playing really well. He's playing really well. And hence the connection is born. If a team co- comes out and they suck, then it's just going to be like, well, this player's got to go. This coach has to go. This coach has to go. So it's going to be negativity. And one of the classic, you know, breeds for disconnect is negativity. So if you're losing all the time, of course fans are going to be disconnected because. They had nothing good going for them, but if you win games like you did back in 2017, where it felt like it was everybody, you had Jalen Ramsey coming back from Pittsburgh, you know, in a stadium of whatever it was. I think it was like 10,000, 20,000 people saying we're going to go over here and we're going to win, and you know, he said some pretty choice words, but everybody was with him. Everybody felt a part of it. People wanted to experience that. People bought the ticket because they wanted to go on the ride. Simple, because they're winning. When when the team's not winning. The fans aren't interested because there's nothing to cheer for. There's no emotion. Well, it's all emotion, but it's all negative emotion,
2: hence the disconnect. But, yeah, what I'm saying, though, is the compound nature of that losing and the compound nature. Of, listen, there's going to be highs and lows. The problem is there haven't been any highs around here other than 2017. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go back da- uh, 12 years now or from my time here, there's been one year. And so what I also think players realize that year, man, is they, they could sense it. You know, they went to the grocery store. They went to the mall. They went anywhere, and they did feel that adulation. You know, they were like, holy cow, this city is coming alive. Mm-hmm. You know, this does mean a lot to these folks. I mean, when we win, this means a lot. And you could grasp that. You could sense that. And now all those players that got to experience that, I think, now realize what it means when you do win in Jacksonville. And, listen, I was in the same boat. I had no idea what this city would be like when the Jaguars won. And I'd been here a decade. Mm-hmm. And then I, I've told you, I mean, you can – you could. Kids go to school, they come back, they're talking about it, everybody's got Jags shirts on. I mean, that's that's the way it is. But when you haven't done it so much, and and a lot, I think it just... It, it drains you, but I don't know if it's a drainage that the players can even fully understand because of the compound nature of the losing here in Jacksonville. I think they well, understand the up-and-down nature of yeah. it, but I, I think there, that's where the disconnect between fans are and in, in, in what the players also have to do. They have to stay focused on six more games. No, the, fans for sure. have, the fans have thrown in the towel. The fans have said the season's over. Let's start talking about the draft. Are they going to fire the coach? That's done. I mean, the fans are done. I mean, that's done. The players can't be done. They have to be professional and they've got a job to do and go out and try to win football games.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess if the argument is do the players feel the disconnect and the players, you know, feel down, they absolutely do. Right. Because whether once again, you're playing Pop Warner High School or college, if you're not winning, it's not a good sign because, yes, people come to the stadium. They cheer for three hours a day of either a winning product or a losing product. But the players have to go reevaluate themselves, yeah. watch that film over and over again, talk about that film over and over again, and then they have to relive it, whether it's with the media or whether it's with the people in public just coming up to them, you know, saying, you guys aren't that good, whatever it is. And I'm not trying to, you know, play a little uh, violin for the players here, because like, guess what? That's what you get paid for, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what you signed up for. But at the same time to say, yeah, the players may not feel the disconnect. The players, the players absolutely do feel the disconnect. I felt the disconnect when I played here for three years, all right? It, it was it was hard towards the end of the, a couple of those seasons coming through the gate every single day and trying to be motivated to go out there and play football yep. because you, you knew how bad it was. So from that perspective,
2: it's one thing to go watch it. It's another thing to have to actually be a part of it and have it be your job and live it. Yeah, and I'm not saying this, by the way, in bad light on the players. I'm trying to explain to people it's a different world when you're inside that building. I mean – it, they, they don't listen. Some people just don't listen to that outside world. Let me just mm. ask you this real quick. When you, you ever remember, uh, let me ask you it on the way back. Okay. I'll, I'll ask you it uh, because we're going to run out of time here. So And I like to I like to go to break do. on the music. Yeah, I really like the music. So I want to do that. I'll ask you when we come back. Cool. And then we'll get in. We have some other topics to get into, too. Lamar Jackson, oh, my goodness. And Tua, oh, my goodness, as well. Love Jason Fitz coming up at 4 o'clock. And more Jags talk, too. Uh, how do they fix it? Because they're running out of time, if they're already not out of time. It's next on ESPN 690. Very
4: tough. Uh, Coming off of a bye week, you know, you have this recharged energy that you go into the practice week with, things that we wanted to focus on as a team, offense, defense, and special teams, and go put those things together, and really not the showing that we wanted yesterday on all three phases of the game.
2: Well, that is Chris Conley. Joined us last night for Jags Report live at Top Golf. Come on out every single Monday night, seven o'clock on CBS forty-seven. Yeah. I tell you what, you know, I, I always say this about these shows, and we're doing a cool show on uh, Thursday, Jaguars All Access, and I think Chris is actually going to join us with Calais, and we're doing it from Mayport uh, on a ship, and cool. we're actually going to do our radio show there on Thursday as well. Okay, so uh, that's where All Access will be. But I always say this: I've done enough of these shows now, where the Jags are four and six, five and nine, those kind of records, mm-hmm. and I still enjoy doing the shows a lot. Like I, I really enjoy it. The, the The guys are good. It you, you try they they're very good about answering the questions, all this stuff, and you can still have an energy to you mm-hmm. about doing the shows. So, like, I always kind of say, I preface it with this is not going to be a funeral. We're going to talk football, try to have a little fun and and that kind of stuff. The only difference is, again, what I've been kind of saying and and what you feel in town now is the buzz potential is gone. That's what it feels like after this game. Uh, And and maybe they can recapture that. I don't know. But I'm not believing that until I see it. And to me, that's a disappointment because we got a taste of 2017. And 2017 was off the charts. I mean, the, the buzz in this town was so good. And you just want that even to some degree back. And, uh, I think that's what you're chasing. You know, that's what I'm chasing. That's what I want to, you want to feel that as a fan. You want to feel that. I think the city wants to feel that. And it's really cool. And that's what is fun about winning. So we were talking about before the break and we'll wrap up this part of the conversation before we get to some answers about how we fix the Jacksonville Jaguars a little. And, and I guess I'll say it this way. We were talking about a little bit about the disconnect between fans and players, in my opinion. I don't think fans understand that these guys have to go to work the next day and put that game behind them, and, and their job depends on it, and their future depends on it, and you can't just say, poor me, we're done. I don't think the fans get the cumulative nature of losing. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the players. I don't think they get the cumulative feel of the fans losing, unless you've been here a while. Like if you've been here a while now and, and you've lost a lot and it's like, oh, my gosh, I feel you. This is awful. Mm-hmm. I get that the players feel losing. Nobody likes to lose. They're ultra competitive. But there's something about the cumulative nature of it in places like Cincinnati and Buffalo and here and Oakland. It, it's it just it beats you down, you know, from a fan perspective, I think. Um, so let me ask you this. And last thing for it. My guess is, I want to go back to 2010. Now, you're a rookie, so it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. See, and part of the reason I think you told me what you did when two and 14 years, you've been through it three years now, and you had the disappointment of 2010 late in the season. Mm -hmm. 2011 wasn't good. Mm -hmm. You go through the firing of Del Rio. Everything changes. You get malarkey in there, more expectations, because you get a little bit of a jolt when a new coach comes in, and bam, those expectations go to two and 14. And so from that Again, I feel like you can relate a little bit. You're like you're you're riding that roller coaster as a player, just like the fans are. Mm-hmm. But let me take you back to 2010. You guys are eight and five, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got to win basically a game. It feels like somewhere down the stretch, you lose three in a row. But w- what I want to ask you about is that time of year in the NFL. Everybody knows it ramps up and everything becomes more important, especially unless you're like 12 and two. You know? Sure. Um, or 2 and 12. Mm-hmm. And uh, but everybody realized it's late in the year and you kind of get a little bit extra rush, you know, Start putting that code in the in the, at the gate and you're like, man, we got some work to do. We got to win. Yeah. I mean, how much could you feel that, I guess, is like we've got to win this game. Yes, we want to win every week, but this feels different. We need a win. Uh, we there's an urgency about this one and you could tell it in the building you could tell it in the meetings you could you get that vibe uh, uh, the energy even though it's late in the season and you're hurting it doesn't matter you're running on adrenaline is there a sense of that for a player yeah
3: I mean uh, of course especially if you're in playoff contention things get amped up a little more and as they should so to answer your question yes um, it does have a different vibe maybe you stay after a little longer maybe you get to work a little earlier uh, maybe you sit in the cold tub for an extra ten minutes just to you know try to get your body back. I mean, yeah, you do all these things because you realize that the season, the playoffs, they're all on the line; those are important. From my perspective, though, I think it's important, and I'm not saying I had a lot of this. I noticed a little bit with some of the teams that I was on. Um, I think that a good way to go about it is the fact, like, if you're a head coach, it's your job to make to not have those, you know, those ebbs and flows to not have those peaks and valleys you're, you're supposed to stay consistent right so whether it's game one or game 16 i think it's beneficial to be like all right guys it's another game you know let's just let's approach it like it's just a one-week season um let's focus on the task at hand and then let's go from there and i think a lot of times where people have the destination in mind but they're not focused on you know the task at hand right where it's like we want to go to the super bowl we want to go to the super bowl very cool. But how do you get there? I get you. Winning yeah. game by game by game. So from that perspective, if I was a coach, I would approach it like that. Where some coaches want to divide the season up into quarters. Alright, first mm-hmm. quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. Obviously the fourth quarter, most important quarter of the season, right? That's when, that's when we can really go to the playoffs. And I've had that happen before, to me before, obviously. But I think if you just focus on a one game a week kind of, or one game at a time kind of philosophy, I just feel like you you can stay even-keeled because, uh, listen, there's going to be ups and downs in any, any, any NFL season. I don't care what team it is. Unless you're the 1972 Miami Dolphins, there's going to be ups and downs, right? There's going to be wins and losses. But the most important part is just maintaining that flow. And I think if you do that one week at a time, you can do that.
2: But you know what, man? If you were taking a class in college or in high school, whatever – but let's go to college, mm-hmm. and you have all semester. The best way to handle that semester would be to do your homework, and do your tests, and do everything, and be even be consistent with it. Those mm-hmm. are the best students, probably. But a lot of students will say, "All right, we'll go here, whatever. We got an eighty-five. We got this that. finals, and then on final week, <laughs> yeah, you cram it in. You are fully focused. Yeah. You stop the partying. You stop playing well, out late. Whatever it might do. be. Yeah. But you s- fully focus. Yep." You get my point? I do. Where human nature says, I know this is bigger than last week's game. Mm-hmm. You can tell. I know you're programmed to go 24 hours a day. I know you're programmed to go one game at a time. Mm-hmm. But this is bigger than last week or next week. Mm-hmm. And I know it is. And Because if there isn't today, there's the, if we don't get it done today, there's probably not a tomorrow or a tomorrow in three weeks. And so I guess that's kind of my point of it. And I, I think it's natural for a player later in the season. I think in the World Series, it's natural for them to know that so much and put everything aside. Don't even answer text messages because it's the World Series. The season's ending one way or another. So I have got to erase everything else, even if it's a little out, outside the norm. I've got to erase everything else. My point is I think that's really hard to do in Week 10, hmm. Game 10, mm-hmm. and Week 11, because there, there's so much season left, even when you're 4 and 5. And so I guess that'd be the last part of the question. Do you ever remember getting into a, before you guys got to eight and five, maybe that year, I can't remember, you were five and five, but man, it felt like that six and five game. You needed to do all those things you might do in a week 17, even though it was only week 11. You get
3: my point? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but to be fair, I was a rookie and I, know, I was just focused at the task at hand. I don't know what the hell I was and doing I, in 2010 and and either, I so a lot it's lot guys, well, And I think a lot of guys <laughs> yeah. are like that, but, but but here's a problem though, and you talk about the disconnect of the fan base and things like that. The Cincinnati Bengals right now, their disconnect from Cincinnati Bengals, and you were at that game, Yeah, not a lot of people there, mm-hmm. but their disconnect, I think, is a lot different than the Jaguars fans disconnect with the, with the team right now. And okay. I say it like this, because if you look at expectations for the Cincinnati Bengals, I think when A.J. Green went out, the writing was kind of on the wall. Right? We had Andy Dalton. Mm, you know, he's he's been okay, but he hasn't won a big playoff game yet. We have a new head coach. We have a brand new philosophy and everything. If you're a Bengals fan, you're like, yeah, it's it's probably going to be one of those years. You know what? Let's tank for Tua, whoever it's going to be now, and let's just go on for the ride. But if you're a Jaguars fan, you're more upset because you saw the glimpses of brilliance, and you have a nucleus of guys that were on that 2017 team that are on this current team right now. So the Jaguars have had that taste of success. And whether you thought they were going to go 8-8, eight and eight, 500, maybe just miss the playoffs or maybe make the playoffs, there was expectations. And the problem right now with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the problem with their fan base is the fact that those expectations aren't even close to being met yet. And that's where all the anger and frustration yeah, yeah. comes, and rightfully so.
2: Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, you yeah. know, it's interesting as you're saying that. I think the Bengals and the Bengal fans, the, t- the team and the players, actually do have a common thought when it comes to connection, and that's embarrassed. Because yeah. when it like they've reached a point they're 0-9 or 0-10, right? You don't want to do that. You don't yeah. want to be. It's one thing to go 2 and 14. It's another thing to go 0 oh, 16. Yeah. And if it's tracking toward that, there's a level of embarrassment that you can actually relate to the fans. But, but let's be honest. So <laughs> you want to wear a bag
3: over your head, too? No, for sure. But let's <laughs> be honest. So, I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, their sports media people, they weren't bragging up like, all right, they're going to beat the Steelers, going to beat the Browns, and they're winning the AFC North. No one was talking about the Bengals winning. Everybody saw the writing on the wall. So they're not disappointed because they kind of expected it. With the Jaguars, no one really saw this coming. Nah, not like this.
2: Not like this. Not, I, like not, this. not with even, everything kind of in front of you, foals coming back, you're healthy, yeah. all the, the way it materialized. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, hey, when we come back, how do you fix it? Let's kind of, let's fix it. Can we do it? Maybe they'll hire us down there. <laughs> it's the next on ESPN 690.
4: It is very possible for this team to make it to the playoffs, but there has to be a decision that's made by the leaders on the team mm-hmm. telling everyone, hey, we got to look in the mirror and we got to know exactly where we're at right now and there can be no mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no
2: mistakes. You know, one phrase I'm tired of saying around here is margin of error. There's no margin of error. We know it. Uh, Listen, they might have wasted their margin of error, quite frankly, unless they're going to roll off six in a row. and. And I don't know. We talked about it a little bit yesterday at the end of the show. I mean, it might be more about, it's not about the playoffs right now. It might be more about saving jobs if you're in that building and eight and eight, nine and seven. Does that get to it? That would be four and two or five and one record down the stretch. That would make everybody feel a little bit better. And, you know, I know you're not in a good place right now and you say, I don't care. Fire them anyway. Well, you'd feel different in a month if they won five out of the last six games. You would. I mean, I, I think I'm not saying you wouldn't want everybody fired. But I just think your emotion would be a little bit different. You'd feel a little bit different. You'd be like, well, you know, Foles was rusty in that one game and, and the Jags, well, oh, Miles Jack played a terrible game on defense and they, they got obliterated, but they fixed stuff. Well, mm. that's the thought. Yeah. Uh, well, you, well, you don't think so. If they go four and two and five and one, you don't think we're going to sit here in, in late December and say, well, you know what? They didn't have the quarterback for eight weeks and they had the Jalen Ramsey stuff. And yeah, they played. Piss poor for three three weeks against the run. You know, I mean, that's well, just natural. You
3: know, yeah, well, of course, like, you're going to be emotional after that kind of loss to the Colts. But it's not just Miles Jack. It's not just Mick Foles. It's the team collectively, you know. And to l- listen, I. Well, we, we can break down the Titans game later and what I think is going to happen for the Tennessee game. And it's not we a week to do that. Well, yeah, But I'm
2: saying it's the NFL. So every
3: single I'm gonna week. I'm going to go down so,
2: to Caterpillar and do the show let's that do it. day. Let's get it. For the bulldozer.
3: Get it, man. So every <laughs> single week, man, it seems like, you know, anything can happen. So we'll get into that later. But I'm saying fans have a right to be upset right now. I'm upset. I was upset yesterday because what you saw from that team, Brent, it wasn't just two guys. It, it was literally the entire team. Set so aside from DJ Chark, maybe Yannick Ngakwe for a little bit. So when you have that, Brent, I, I'm not saying let everybody go. I'm not saying that right now, but people gotta be held accountable, man. You know, like the, like, I, I can't drive this point home enough. The Jaguars should have won that game. If you go roster to roster right now, I'm taking the Jaguars every single time. You may say I'm crazy. I get it. The Colts are good on offense. Uh, the offensive line. Their defensive line is pretty solid as well. But they had a bunch of no-name receivers. They had a bunch of no-name secondary guys. And the Jaguars can have success. So I get what you're saying where in a couple of weeks if they go five and two or whatever, which I have a hard time picturing it. But if they do that, you still have to remember this game. like. This game should stick with Jaguars fans, regardless of how the team does the entire season. This game against the Colts needs to stick with it with, and leave a bad taste throughout the whole season.
2: That's fine. But what I'm telling you is there's emotion that gets involved in this stuff. And decisions are even sometimes made on emotion. And the fan emotion really factors in as well. And if they win four out of the next six or five out of the next six, and again, I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying there's an if. Then the emotion of that will feel different in totality. Uh, then, and And we do forget. I mean, we do, we do forget. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. to, to me, you know, it, listen, I thought the, the changing point last year was the Kansas City Chiefs game. But if for somehow the Jaguars would have rallied mm-hmm. at any point in the season in the last six games of the year or seven games of the year, you would have felt differently about a lot of things. You know, uh, potentially, potentially, I, I think. I think that's the way well, it goes.
3: Yeah, I mean, if it wins like the last five games, of course, there's going to be a different feeling. But... I don't think they have the team to do that right now, from what I've seen on paper. Well, okay.
2: uh, so this is great. This is a good point. So yeah. how do we fix it, right? If you're going down there right now, and you're going to go. We have a meeting yep. right now mm-hmm. with Doug Marone and John D. Filippo and Todd Wash and and the captains of that football team. Mm-hmm. We think the rosters. Okay. I mean, I know I've said on this show, I think the roster's a decent roster. We went through that whole show where we said, I don't see eyesores outside of the tight end position, and that has certainly played out that way, but I also don't sit here and tell you they are four and six because they don't have a stud tight end. Could that have helped them along the way? Absolutely. But I also don't sit here and tell you that that's why they're four and six. Sure. So, you know, their quarterback position, they like both quarterbacks that they have. Their running back position, he's been one of the best. Their offensive line, we can debate, but it's... They gave up two sacks and 47 snaps, and they passed the ball way too much. That was more on the offensive coordinator, I think, than it was on the on the line. D.J. Chark is, has shown, some, obviously, a great season. Uh, the other guys, now they're starting to kind of fall back. You know, when we did this thing three or four weeks ago, we said, hey, D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley was coming off a 100-yard game, and now you're like, well, wait a minute. Maybe they don't have as much on the outside. So bottom line is, I believe, and what we said weeks ago is I think they have a solid roster with some good players on it and they need more very good players. They need a few more very good players that kind of make this a maybe a really good roster. Mm-hmm. Do you feel differently about that? Or were we wrong about that? Do they not? Re- is that offensive line really not that good? And maybe three of them need to go. Is Miles Jack not really that good? Shouldn't have been paid. Uh, is Calais Campbell too old? And this is going to be it now. Where we wouldn't have said that maybe three three weeks ago. Yeah. You know. Well, how
3: well, do you feel about their roster? So as far I mean let's go position by position. I've said the offensive line. I don't think has been that good in the running game, and and I've said that many times. I said that if you look at Leonard Fournette and his success, he usually has one to two long. Runs per game, but on a consistent basis, he's not averaging you know four or five yards a pop. Usually, um he'll be, he'll be stuck behind the line, and every once in a while he'll break out in one. And he breaks out in him when they set up the pass with the. Oh, I'm sorry, when they set up the run with the pass. So, do I think the offensive line is good in the run game? No, I, I really don't. I think their offensive line is a liability in the run game from what I've seen so far. Now, in the pass game, offensive line, are they good? I think they're middle of the road. I don't think they're the worst offensive line in the NFL, and they're certainly not the best. So i put them right in the middle of the road. So from that perspective, I don't know. If you want to break down Brandon Linder and Andrew Norwell and say, well, we're paying these guys this much money. I'm not sure where they rank right now in the NFL as tops of highest paid centers, highest paid guards. But then go ahead and ask yourselves, "Are, are you getting a return on your investment? And if you can answer
2: yourself and say yes, then cool, keep them. If not... See you later. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you think, because don't, we don't we don't need to do this for every position, but do you think they are, um, is that the, the eyesore of their offense right now? It, are things not clicking on offense? They've scored three points well, and 13 points because of their offensive the, line.
3: The, the eyesore of the offense is Nick Foles in the offensive line. Yes. So both those things combined.
2: What did you say, the first one? Foles. Foles. Yeah. Uh, the other day. Yeah, was. for sure. I mean, uh, all I have to go off of right now is yeah, what I've yeah. seen from
3: Foles. Obviously, and what I've seen from Foles is he's, he's an eyesore.
2: Okay, so but then can you fix that? We go have this meeting with Marone and Filippo and the, and the and Brandon Linder and and Nick Foles and say, all right, how are we fixing this? Is it well, a fixable no, thing in six games? Absolutely
3: not. Because here is the problem: you already committed to Nick Foles. You are you, not going to put Nick Foles back on the bench now and then bring back Garner and Minshew. You, you've already made your bed. Now you got to lay in it. So, so do you think
2: you think they win that game or play a lot better with Minshew in there the other day?
3: They're not going to play worse. The, I I literally cannot see Minshew playing any worse yesterday or than, on Sunday than Foles did. You want me to show you a tape from three weeks ago? I'm just saying right now, Brent. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest, man. I, I I honestly think that if you would put Minshew in, I thought he would have did better than Foles.
2: Well, I, again, there's a there's a high chance of that. I mean, I mm-hmm. probably could pick 30 quarterbacks, and and they and it's not like Foles was show I can
3: show so. everyone's tape where they do bad, and I, I can point out here, Patrick Holmes did bad here, Phillip Rivers did bad last night, and that's fine, and those are great quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, Minshew had a bad game, but what I just said is, I think if you put Nick Minshew in that game, I think he does better than Foles. Well, then that's one of your fixable things. I mean, But, and, but it's not fixable, though, because there's no point in talking about it, because the Jaguars would never go back to Minshew now. Well, like, we can they, talk they, about it. Okay, well... There you go, then. I mean,
2: I, listen, I was adamant of We're saying. We're going fly a plane again.
3: No, for sure. But I was adamant saying. John Phillips. I, I, I wouldn't have brought back Foles in the first place. But that was my take. So, assuming that we had it my way, Minshew would still be playing right now.
2: There you yeah. go. So, All right, I want to ask you a similar question uh, uh, the other side of the ball. What would you fix? So, I mean, the bottom line is they got six games to go. We need to fix something here.
3: Buy a time machine, go back in time, and put Miles jacket outside
2: linebacker at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Happen going oh, to the playoffs? Happen going to the playoffs? Great, Miles Jack goes to weak side linebacker, and there you go. You're going to the playoffs. Happen going and to the playoffs? And, go and, and, and get your capacitors
3: from Amazon. You're good to go. What
2: are we dealing with here?
3: I'm kidding, man.
2: When we come back on ESPN 690, maybe we we'll even sneak in bowling and falling because this topic's going nowhere.
1: We had we had a really good week of practice and work, and you know when it don't show out on the field, you know it's upsetting, but. You just have to, you know, watch the film, see what you can do better.
2: That's DJ Chark. He's been unbelievable. He's on pace for over 1,000 yards and then some. He's got eight touchdown catches. Uh, He's really good. Just a really good player. What a great story he is. And one, it's hard. You can't even brag about him a little bit more coming out of that game the other other day. I mean, I guess we can, but uh, we probably won't. (laughs) And, yeah, the Josh Allens of the world – Uh, Are you a little surprised Josh Allen isn't playing as many snaps or it's just a rotational thing? I mean, I I keep seeing numbers, guys tweeting out like they go back and watch and count the snaps. And I I think I saw one today. It was like four snaps on the first two drives for the Colts and 50 percent of the snaps, uh, if those are accurate. But is that just normal or with a guy who's as, as much impact as he's had? Are you a little surprised he's not in there a bit more?
3: I mean, it's, it's just simple though. It's the fact that they're still playing their base defense and they move Clayus back to the big, uh, the big end technique. Allen was playing that technique for a while while, uh, Darius was hurt and they didn't really buy into Taven Bryan yet. So then Clayus Campbell moved down to the three and then Josh Allen got a lot more reps. But now, uh, they have faith in Taven Bryan. So Taven Bryan's playing the three. Clay is playing the big end. Jan's playing the other end, and lo and behold, there's not a spot for Josh Allen, unfortunately. Okay, so, yeah, well, I'm I'm not really surprised with what they're doing.
2: One uh, one more thought on the fix, okay? And how do you how do you fix it? And can you fix it? Uh, Doug Marone said they're going to change practices a little bit. You know, they're going to get after it a little bit more. Well, what, what does that mean? Is that, can that be a quick fix? Again, we're talking about a quick fix, immediate fix. You can't, you can't transform the roster. You can't do those kind of things. Is that the right tack to take? I mean, does something like that work? It, well, it has to, right? Because it's like you said, you, you
3: can't change the roster around right now. What you got is what you got. So you have to make the best of it. So on the offensive perspective, you need to teach the fundamentals. You know, how many holding calls were there called against the Colts? I mean, it seems to be a weekly thing. Now, I think the Jaguars uh, had eight penalties on the on the day, which, hey, all things considered, that's a good day for them. Because anything over 10, uh, I feel they need to call out. So, you know, having eight penalties is actually a plus in the Jaguars. But you know how many penalties the Colts had? I think it was three, man. Trace. Yeah, yeah. three of them, man.
2: So... If, if I'm Doug Marone, I should have had a pass interference. I can yeah. tell you that, Indianapolis.
3: Yeah. So if, if I'm Doug Marone, I'm 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 preaching the basics. We're especially all the offensive line. We're going back to day one. Here's where your hands go. Especially being an offensive lineman like Doug Marone was, this is in his wheelhouse. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is in his ballpark. So you got to drive that point home. And if the point's not getting home, either you find guys that can get the point, or you know. There's consequences. Run run a couple gas balls if you have to. I, I know, I sound like I'm a college coach right now, but apparently guys aren't getting the message. So from the offensive line perspective, back to the fundamentals. Now, the philosophy on offense. Obviously you have to run the ball more. Yeah, right? They
2: are going to do that.
3: Yeah. You, you, you you can't put the full the I mean I'm sorry, you can't put the game in Foles' hands anymore because you saw what was gonna happen. And I get it. You felt good about Nick Foles coming in the game against the Colts. You say Nick Foles is our guy, he's a Super Bowl MVP, yada yada yada. Well, you put it in his hands what happened. Didn't win a ball game, okay? Yeah. So back to the run game, especially against the Tennessee Titans. My right? concern
2: is they go over the top with the run game.
3: Now, yeah, I mean, can I, you just balance it out? No, for sure. And, and I think they will. Call think, a
2: regular game.
3: Exactly. I think you're going to see a run game where it's it's going to be a lot of running, then set up the the pass with the, with the play action, yeah. you know, and then Which stuff like the that. just the way
2: you're supposed to be built.
3: Exactly. So from that perspective, that's what you do on offense. Now on defense different story completely and since i'm more of a defensive minded guy i probably have a lot more to say about this than the offense um first things first tackling all right the tackling went out the window against the colts so guess what i know i'm doug marone and i and i'm preaching i'm gonna be the players coach and have these easy practices no now and now we're going back to tackling you know and and now we're going back to wrapping everybody up and thudding all right and if that doesn't be done then Guys are going to have to run. You know, simple as that. Because that's that's the first step. I don't care about your schemes. I don't care about where Miles Jack's playing. I don't care about any of this. If you guys have bad pursuit angles and you're not tackling, I mean, we're 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 back to Pop Warner. You know what I'm saying like th- these are very fundamental things here that aren't getting addressed. So if I'm Todd Wash, if I'm the head coach, I'm addressing tackling and pursuit angles because you go against a guy named Derrick Henry, and I get it. You guys played against him Thursday night, you know, week two, week three, three, week three. So I get it. You guys shut him down. Well, guess what? This is a new week now, and from what I've seen, you guys can't shut anybody down in the run game. And now you're facing one of the best backs in Derrick Henry. So we're gonna focus on tackling pretty much the whole week, as as far as the the game plan and then the schemes concerned. Listen, I was I was so adamant about going that 3-4 defense, you know, and sometimes we see glimpses of it more on third down. You can't implement a new defense now, okay? It's far too late in the season to do that. So, once again, what you got is what you got, and what you got is a defense that you've been running for the past couple years now. From that perspective, the only thing I would really change, because, you know, once again, you can't throw a lot of new wrinkles in, especially with a linebacker in core who is inexperienced except Miles Jack, if I'm throwing new wrinkles in i'm I'm blitzing more, you know, and that's something we talked about after the buy,
2: but besides that, there's not much more you can do. What about you said tackling, but what about like the gap integrity that everybody says gap integrity like, like, oh, all, yeah I mean, I mean the, but how do you practice that i mean do you I mean, you just show film i mean what? so yeah, I mean yeah, you show
3: film obviously. But I mean, you just go through. If you have to walk through it for an extra two hours, if guys have to stay after practice to get their steps down, because that's, that's that was my biggest problem my rookie year was in the run game. Is I I would always fall step, and it started to be an issue. Now, the casual person could watch me and be like, I didn't see a false step there, yeah. right? But I'll tell you what, Joe Collins saw it.
2: Yeah. Jack Del Rio saw well, it. And a false step N- is see you later. Yeah, potentially.
3: Mel N- 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 Tucker saw it. So after practice, I had to take a hundred correct steps every single day after practice. That took me about, realistically, an extra 20, 30 minutes. Guess what? That sucks because now everyone's in the cold tub, it's filled up, and I'll have to wait to get my turn. You know, like, <laughs> now now, now, everybody's getting ice, and I have to wait to get my turn. So, there are things that have to be done. But I'm saying...
2: I mean, seriously, the, what else were you doing? I mean, you're like 23 years old. Were you oh, going to go Bren, home and play I, video I, games?
3: I, 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 I was actually Call of Duty, for sure. Call <laughs> of Duty. What? And, the the and, I, and I had a nightlife, wink, wink. <laughs> So, from, from that perspective, though, Brent, it's the fundamentals, right? And... That's what gap integrity is, okay? Joe Collins said this, and I and I share this philosophy. Now, Grant, we agree on a lot of things, but I do agree on this. I can take five people on the street or four people on the street, bring them in, and I can teach them how to play the run. Because playing the run, it's all about mentality, and it's all about discipline. And right now, the Jaguars on the defensive front, they do not have the mentality, and they do not have the discipline. And guess what? Those can
2: be coached. So guess what? Coach them. Yeah, I, I like that. And I also will say you can work on your craft a little bit more than maybe you're working on your craft. Yeah. Like you said, stay yeah. after. Get those extra step. You know, yeah. Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, you know how they end every practice round? They make like 100 three-foot putts because you know how you lose tournaments if yeah. you don't make a three-foot putt. Yeah. You know? He's, That's just part of being a pro. He's got to be accountable. And you gotta, you've gotta you got to do those things before you can do great things.
3: Yeah. And I guess the most frustrating point is the fact that, Brent, we've seen this how many games. We, we, we've seen it against the Texans. On well, three now. We've seen it against the Panthers. And now
2: we've seen it against the Colts. And they've only played 10, so that's 30% yeah. of the time. That's not good. It's not good. Hey, when we come back, we talk a little college football. Jason Fitz joins us. Uh, the impact of two, and not only on Alabama, but even college football moving forward. And this year, it's next on ESPN 6.9. nine. <laughs>
3: You know who that was Tua. That was Tua. Oh, I hopped up on those pain pills, feeling <laughs> extra good, man. So let me go and get my uh, singing ukulele out there, singing and strumming. What was
2: the song? That I don't know. All right, you're you're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, that's a good point. You are asking the wrong guy. Maybe we can ask this guy. Maybe he knows what song it is. He knows probably how to play that ukulele a little bit. Let's welcome in Jason Fitz from
1: ESPN. Play a, a ukulele at all? uh no ukulele but uh you know i i heard by the way no there's not going to gloss over this i heard that uh i heard that i need to fight somebody about the uh Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich oh, oh.
2: Uh-huh. sorry to come back oh. sorry to oh. remind you of that a oh, week man. ago it was so long ago this was all austin by the way and um feel free to fight him
1: uh, okay jason i mean but, <laughs> but here's the thing austin remember at the end of the day like, all I got to do is get one hit in, and all of a sudden you got hit by a fiddle player. And if you beat me up, all you did was beat up a fiddle player. You get no yeah. street cred. I get all the glory here. There's, I'm, I'm liking it. I'm liking so, it. So, so, what you're saying is it's kind of like a lose-lose
3: situation for me because there's nothing in it for me. So, with that being said, I'm not
1: going to fight you.
2: I'm just going to be like, no. But I, This I, I, is Florida playing Georgia Southern right now. Exactly, That's what this is. Exactly. There,
3: there is no win-win here. But So, Jason, all right. So, obviously, you may have heard the results a little bit. Bit and and I'll be truthful, you know, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, I'm going to tell you what the trial was. Basically, we had, you know, three spicy, three, orig- three original chicken sandwiches. We had to put them in the microwave. Now, did the Wendy's chicken sandwich maybe lose a couple points because there was lettuce on it? And maybe when you microwave lettuce, it doesn't turn out that good? possibly okay that that was against the winnie's chicken sandwich but i'll be honest man it, it was a very flat patty not a lot of substance not a lot of girth so we had to go with, with the Popeyes chicken sandwich unfortunately and i apologize if, if i offended you
1: just the way it is well man. you know what we've learned something today we've learned that you have restraint, and that i'm obviously the little guy that walks into every bar and just starts running my mouth because <laughs> uh, i know i'm writing checks i can't cash you know uh, i Fully aware of it. I'm just gonna like just just know. Next time I'm I'm down hanging out there, we're gonna get the, a, a second opportunity at it. We're gonna get it right for you, because. There's no way. There's just no way. It, Dude, it had to. Somebody somewhere had to screw the whole process up. Dude, I mean, <laughs> probably we can, we, we probably can nice. go to
3: Wendy's or w- w- we just go back to like any any grade school lunch and just get a chicken sandwich from there because it tasted like the same thing, all right? It's a yep. thin chicken patty, and that's all it had going for it, a little mayo. It, it, it reminded me of a of a school lunch that I had back when I
1: was, like, eight years old. Wait, we're going to fix this. Because you have been wrong, this is an injustice that I will fix. I'll fix it somehow, some way, just... You know, just trust me when I come in with the chicken sandwich, and uh, you know, it'll be a delight. I, I don't know how this happened, but I'll make it up to you on, on, on behalf of Wendy's everywhere.
3: Jason, I'm just saying, there's a reason why the sign on Wendy says "old-fashioned hamburgers" and not really good chicken sandwiches. Okay, just remember that.
1: <laughs> uh, that you know what? That's a, there's a, a sage piece of life advice. A long time ago, a buddy of mine was it. I hop, and he got, he got the, the, the country fried chicken. And I said, How is it? And he said, There's a reason they don't call it International House of Country Fried Chicken. So maybe you're on with something.
2: That's always fine. Mm. I say that to people who go to the Olive Garden, right? Yeah. And they get fish.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, it's like, you go to the Olive Garden get fish. That's like saying Russian roulette, man. no might be fine, but that's what well, I'm talking about. get
2: fish, dude. Oh, so we got a death uh, wish. And by the way, you can tell Austin's new at this game. I mean, we'll we'll take the Wendy's sponsorship any day of the week. we got to start being a little bit nicer no, here. No,
3: man, I, I'm going to always tell <laughs> it like it is because that's who I am, Brent. I, I, I'm not going to bow down to any single sponsor. Oh, gosh. She's oh You so know, I would never heart. do oh, something Jesus.
1: like that. But if you guys want to talk about how great the Junior Bacon Cheeseburger is, like, <laughs> no problem. Damn, I already I
2: told you, man, the Baconator, let's go. I'm on board. Just the <laughs> chicken sandwiches didn't do it for me. <laughs> this segment weekly brought to you by Wendy's. Uh, hey Jason uh, well the big story in college football is Tua obviously that was uh, that was an awful injury we had so much Jag stuff we didn't even spend a lot of time on this yesterday but Uh, Bad injury. It looks like, you know, the comparisons to Bo Jackson, all that, those are premature, it sounds like, from the doctors and the way people are talking in Tuscaloosa, uh, which I kind of wondered about twofold. One, how similar is it? And two, how much has kind of modern technology and medicine and all that kind of stuff changed, even though the body probably hasn't changed since Bo Jackson was playing but in the grand scheme of things, this is a big blow, obviously, to Alabama, but I think a big blow to college football for the remainder of 2019. It's one of the personalities and obviously great players in college ball.
1: Oh, well, you're right about that. And, you know, now, uh, absolutely, by the way, you know, this is different than Bo Jackson from what doctors are saying right now. Is part of the reason is that Bo didn't realize the damage that was being done to his hip. So he tried to continue working and playing it. That's part of what eventually caused the bone essentially to die. Now, that isn't the case with Tua. And- they say it's a successful surgery, but you know, this is a loss on, on a lot of levels, obviously for Alabama right now, for college football, for the Heisman conversation. And and then even for organizations like the Dolphins that many have thought were tanking for Tua. Now they're going to have to look at somebody that's had two major procedures on his ankle and a major procedure on his hip that may or may not be ready. We don't have a time frame yet. So the ramifications of this are, are severe for all football, all levels of it, all across the board. And it's, it's uh, it, it's the, the worst case scenario that you could possibly have, and uh, a reminder of the risks these kids put themselves under every single time they take a snap in a game, and it's unfortunate.
3: Jason, if you're the college, you know playoff committee here, and you're voting your four teams, and let's say maybe Alabama runs the table. I mean, does that to a injury, does that go into any kind of voting of if they do make the playoffs or not? Or You know, let's take Alabama out of it. Let's just say, say any team. Does any team um, that's in the top four right now, say they have a major blow at the quarterback position, you know, the most important position on the field. If they lose their quarterback for the season, does that playoff committee go like, well, they're a good team, but they just lost their quarterback. Let's go someplace else.
1: Yes. I mean, and and the committee is told to factor in injuries in their decision on how games look, you know. But everybody will use the instance a few years ago of Ohio State going into the playoffs on a third, on a third string quarterback. The thing is, the rest of your team has got to be so incredibly dominant that there's no question about it. And that's why I'm really interested to see what the committee does tonight because I I have a hard time if the committee's been telling us, and and look, we can disagree with the committee all day long, but they've been telling us that Oregon and Utah are great football teams. Not good football teams, great football teams, because they've kept them above the Minnesotas of the world as they've won. So they're telling you that the Pac-12 has a couple of great football teams there that are set up for a matchup for the Pac-12 championship. I have a hard time if you believe that Oregon and Utah are that good Explain to me how you believe that, that Alabama, with Matt Jones as their quarterback, is going to be able to compete. I don't think they can. And ultimately, you know, this this is the risk you take when you don't play a great schedule. You don't have a lot of wins out there. You don't have a lot of resume. It's a defense that has more questions than we're used to. I mean, if I were on the committee right now, I would have a hard time justifying Alabama being any higher than seven or eight, especially knowing where their quarterback position is.
2: Yeah, and I don't disagree with you. And I've been a kind of a critic of Alabama's this year, even with Tua. I, I don't know how good they are. I mean, I know they're good because they're always good, but that's all I've got to go on. So I don't disagree with you in that regard. One, one more thing before we let the, the Tua conversation go. Um, well, actually, let me ask you two things. One, uh, should Nick Saban uh, take the brunt of it or at least some criticism for playing him that late in the game, even though he described it as some practice with the two-minute uh, uh, drill coming up? And then two, should Tua consider now coming back to school rather than going into the draft based off the injury? Uh, does he have more to gain by maybe coming back to Alabama?
1: You know, that's a really interesting question I don't think enough people are ask, asking right now. The presumption is that he's just going to jump to the pros. I'll be interested to see what the rehab looks like and how long it takes for his hip to get right because if he trusts the doctors at Alabama and he trusts the rehab process because he want midway through that process to have to go essentially start that process over again with somebody else. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. I, that's why I think – the time frame on this injury is going to be really key, and and what we think he's going to be at the end. All I keep thinking about is that that Dak Prescott dance that, that is sort of taking the country by storm, and he watched the hip flexibility. <laughs> How long is it until Tula can do that? And so, you know, that's a that's a, a difficult question. But but for the other part of your. Question: When it comes to Nick Saban, if this was a re-injury of the ankle, I would have a serious problem with it because you were putting your player at risk for no good reason. It's not. It's a freakish injury that could have happened at any time in the game. So it's hard for me to to look at that and say, oh, why are you playing Tua? And we're just across the board going to presume that every starting quarterback should be pulled out when they have a 35-point lead, and that's just not the way it's usually done. So I think if this were a re-injury of the ankle, either ankle, really, but a re-injury of the injured ankle, you could say, okay, We rushed him back for what reason? Why did Bama do this? It's not that at all. It's just a freak play. This is what happens when you play football, and that's what makes it even worse. So I'm actually not – uh, holding Saban's feet to the fire for having him
2: in the game. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that, too. I think, listen, you're going to get hurt in football. You can't play scared. You can't think about injuries. And, and you need practice. They're going to Western, play Western Carolina next. I mean, two probably wasn't going to play in that game or very little. So you need some of this stuff. And, and quite frankly, Alabama, even in that game against Mississippi State, needed to continue to make a statement to the committee and in and, and, and this season because they don't have quality wins and only Auburn left on the schedule who now has three losses. Let me shift the gears and ask you about Baylor. Oh, my my goodness, uh, what a what a costly loss, I believe. I, I'm of the thinking now that even if they beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, I think they might be too far back, Jason, to get in.
1: Oh, they're absolutely too far back. I don't think they can make up the equity. They were going to struggle anyway because Oklahoma hasn't been valued by the committee. I mean, what did we see last week? Saylor at 13, Oklahoma at 10 last week. So uh, so you beat the number 10 team in the country. That team is then going to fall to what, 12, 13? And you beat them again? So now you have a couple of okay wins. And, again, I'll go back to that Oregon-Utah matchup. The committee has been setting the Pac-12 up to have an opportunity to win, and they're in. And it that has looked pretty simple to me. So, you know, right now, when you think about the teams that are ahead of them, Georgia controls their own destiny. They could still win the SEC in and, and, and the process of doing so. They would go in ahead of Baylor. And, uh, you, you know, obviously, LSU, Clemson are, are teams we expect to get in. Ohio State's a team we expect to get in. But the Pac-12 being ahead of them right now, you know, I'd even make an argument that the Penn State of the world can get in ahead of them at this point. So, uh, difficult for me to, to find a path that leads Baylor to the national, or to the college football playoff. Jason, we're breaking
3: down teams for the college football playoff. Obviously Oregon and Utah are in the top right now. Oregon's number six, Utah number seven. And I guess my question is the fact that you have kind of two different sides of the coin. You have an Oregon offense. Who's always been explosive. Now they're a little different team this year, but you know, they're always known for that explosive offense and Utah has been getting it done more on their defense and on the ground. I mean, do votes kind of get swayed in the rankings a little bit, especially for the playoff where, all right, well, this team's more explosive. They're more fun to watch. So let's go ahead and put them above. Maybe like a Utah, who's more of like you know kind of like a Big Ten uh, throwback team, where run
1: the ball, play good defense. I mean, does that kind of go
3: into effect in the voting as well?
1: I, I want to think it doesn't, but then I look at Heisman voting, yeah. you know. And when you <laughs> think about the Heisman voting, all we ever want to do is vote for quarterbacks. So if all anybody cares about is quarterbacks, then the conversation between Utah and Oregon, simple. There's a better brand quarterback at Oregon. And look, I want to think that especially the committee's got enough very different opinions on it, that people are going to make it more complicated than that because it should be more complicated. And, and I, would, I agree with your assessment, by the way. Utah's a better balanced football team than Oregon is right now. But Oregon's more explosive, has some better playmakers, and has a quarterback. Everybody's been hearing about for over a year because of the NFL draft. So it becomes sort of a – Even if it's a subconscious one, I think it's a fair point that it becomes a bit of a brand bias, and while I don't want that to influence the committee, I think it's pretty undeniable that with the Heisman alone, it it impacts college football voters, so why not the committee also?
2: Jason Fitz from ESPN with us, uh, host... First and last from 5 to 6 a.m. right here on ESPN 690. Go look at Wingo. He appears regularly from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on ESPN 690. Then count down to College Game Day every Saturday morning on all the social media platforms for ESPN, the app, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the rest of them. And tonight, uh, hanging out with... uh Mike Golick Jr., I believe, at the house eating some Cheez-Its and talking about the college football playoff rankings. Uh, One question is, is Golick Jr., does he have a clean house, or is it kind of like he's still at Notre Dame or something?
1: Oh, no, it's a very clean house, but that's only because his mom watches all the shows and he knows he'll get grief if if his mom sees that the house isn't clean. But the fridge is stocked like he's still in college. I mean, literally, it's just beer soda and water that's all that's in the man's fridge like i don't you know it's no wonder that he's single
2: mom is a good follow by the way on twitter too
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, she is a, she's an amazing and hysterical person. Just don't cross her. I, I, you know, I made fun of Mike Love Life recently, and she tweeted me, and my, my Twitter timeline blew up. So, Busted. you know, you never want to cross ND Mom. That's for sure. Hey, you
2: talk about equity earlier, and we'll end up leaving you here in a minute or two. Yeah. But uh, LSU, do they have enough equity to lose to Georgia and still get in the college football playoff and therefore get two SEC teams in in, the, in a what if kind of scenario?
1: Yeah, I think so. If it's a close game, particularly, I I think they do. And and, you know, we've made so much about the South Carolina loss for Georgia, but through it all, LSU has just played a gauntlet of a schedule. And uh, even if they take a loss, at some point, don't you have to reward the fact that they have multiple top ten wins? So, you know, I think that there's the definite path that uh, gets a two loss team from the SEC or the Big Ten, either one, into the college football playoff. And, And frankly, you know, as much as people don't want to hear it, I think that's rightfully so because. The committee is not told that you have to win a conference. In fact, a conference championship game is simply a factor if all other factors are tied and you think this is the one tiebreaker you can rely on. It, But it's not supposed to be a dominant factor that gets any more weight than anything else. So why does it matter if somebody wins their conference? It doesn't to the committee. And so ultimately, you know, I want the four best in. And if that means that there's going to be a couple from the SEC or a couple from the Big Ten, hard for me to imagine a world where LSU isn't one of the four best teams in college football this year.
3: All right, Jason, before we, uh, you know, we say bye to you here, we have to address the powers that be of just how much influence you and I have on the college football world. And I know, you, you, dude, you have a lot of things going on in your life. You do a lot of shows. We're very grateful to have you come on you know, once a week and talk college football with us. But we have to address it, okay? And when I say powers that be, I mean this. So, way back like weeks ago, we talked about UCF, how if they're in the running a little bit, if they run the table, they'll be able to go to the college football playoff. Well, that week, UCF got Beat. Then we brought up Wisconsin. How good Wisconsin looks. Wisconsin got beat by Illinois State
2: that week. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, by Illinois. Illinois yeah. yeah, that week. Illinois State would have been a whole different They're, conversation. I, well,
3: I'm still so upset. And <laughs> then, then we got Chase Young from Ohio State. We talked about you know choke for chase you know tank for two or no choke for chase he should be in the heisman running all of a sudden chase young gets busted getting some money from an agent then we talked about oklahoma oklahoma gets beat by kansas state and then this prior week we talked about minnesota and how we both thought they would beat iowa well we were wrong again so my question to you is man because obviously we have the power right now the 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 college football playoff is in your hands and in my hands do you have have any kind of outlandish predictions that are going to happen this weekend
1: my God, you're right. I just I'm just now realizing that we should really charge teams to talk about uh, <laughs> you know their saying, opponents man. at this Everything point. That's like, what we say. <laughs> we've got a we've got the magic touch, you know. Yeah. And and you know, so ultimately, here's the uh, here's the outlandish prediction. What if I might, might as well say it could happen? Put it out in the universe. Let Penn State beat Ohio State, so we can have absolute chaos everywhere we look. That's that's the uh, that that would be the next level of of chaos that we could be looking for. Let Penn State win this weekend. And now all of a sudden we're just going to start looking at one loss. Actually, no, change that. Let's have Clemson lose just so that we can start to get to a world where neither of the defending champion or defending national championship game teams make it to the playoffs. Okay. So, let's see what we can put into the world. Here. Okay,
3: so then if that's the point, then we have to speak into existence. So if we're going to say, you know what, Clemson looks really good, Brent. I think Clemson's going to run the table. Obviously, ACC's a pretty weak uh, conference this year. Clemson's got a really easy schedule ahead of them. Watch Clemson get beat there. Yeah, okay, there a Strong
2: we go. team effort. There we go. By two guys who were ready to fight over a chicken sandwich a bit earlier in this segment. <laughs>
1: If this works, by the way, Austin, we're going to spend the rest of the year talking about the Chiefs glowingly every week just to my beloved Raiders from <laughs> in the West. Thank you very much.
2: Done and done. Have a good <laughs> night, man. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, y'all. Have a great week.
2: All right. Jason Fitz from ESPN. Once again, you can catch him 5 to 6 uh, early in the morning on ESPN 690. First and last, look and Wingo appears there regularly. And countdown to college game day on Saturday mornings leading up to the 9 o'clock. Game day on ESPN. That's on all the social media platforms ESPN app, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and more. Love having Jason Fitz on the show. We're going to take a break when we come back, a little balling and falling. Where are we going? Lamar Jackson yep. in this conversation. I was just I'm seeing... so surprised. <laughs> Maybe Phillip Rivers should be in the conversation. I was
3: just seeing where Clemson plays this week for college football. <laughs> Don't look. They they have a (laughs) buy.
2: Jason, call back. We have to go back. Uh,
4: Stick with the Penn State thing. There we go. 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 Penn State State State. looks good. Ohio State looks good. We'll see
2: if it happens. More to come on ESPN 690.
4: It's very small. You know, the line is very fine. If you go into these practices and you change too much, you can change the things that your, your team has really built throughout the year. And you can go out and you can have even worse performances. But really going into these practices, making sure that we focus on fundamentals, that we go in there. If we're going to extend periods, if we're going to put some more pads on, extend those periods and, you know, have running drills, have more blocking and tackling, getting down to the fundamentals, blocking and catching. We can focus on those things, but don't do too much in terms of changing your scheme of what you've built your identity as a team in.
2: You might have to, like, use the drop button here in a minute. Why? Because you're putting your hands up like, see, I told you so. you said what exactly what Chris Conley said last night on Jags Report Live from Top Golf, 7 o'clock on CBS 47 every Monday night. That's correct. And I want to say, no bleep, you're a former player. You okay. should be saying the same damn things. Okay. But did, did Wait, I just say, you, you wanna, did I not you, just
3: you, break you, down? Okay, but I said it verbatim. I said, <laughs> you can't change the scheme, and you have to work on the fundamentals.
2: Yeah, okay. All right, bro. Hey, if you're the expert, then you take over, dude. No, I'm just saying. I mean, if you didn't say that, I'd be calling you out right now for not saying it as a former player.
3: But I feel like you can also say, well, let's go more three four because Dom Capers has experience doing. That. I mean, you can do a lot of things, but I, I think we share the same philosophy. And like, you you can't change too much of the scheme. Now, some coaches would.
1: Look Will
3: at they? the look, look at the Dolphins right now. You been watching the Dolphins defense, dude? They went from doing a three four to a four two five. I think they're doing like a four-three now. They're all over the place, and I get it. They're they're
2: grasping at straws because yeah, they're, they're not doing that good. But the Dolphins just, are old. This is like preseason for them. Yeah, yeah, it really know? is. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, have you seen something really? Were you ever a part of something drastic? Yeah. So, what year was this?
3: This this is actually this is funny. The 2010 year with Del Rio. Okay. Uh, So that last game of the year, I think, was Houston. And this was, you know, going into it where if Indianapolis got beat by Tennessee, I believe, and we beat Houston, we go to the playoffs. We actually, we changed our defense around a little bit, and I was playing middle linebacker that game. Now, uh, some of it had to do with injuries, but also had to do with, I think it was, at the time, would have been Arian Foster, I think, was the running back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a lot of the things that the Texans did... Obviously, know I mean, lot of things a lot of teams do is they run the ball a lot and they set up the play action Well, that it, zone read stuff, yeah right? so it was our philosophy where if we kind of run more like a hybrid at the linebacker spot, they wouldn't be ready for it. so that's what I did. I actually played middle linebacker that game
2: the entire thing you yeah got stuck with it did yeah. it work uh. I mean, you not didn't really. win. Yeah, no, it didn't really. I mean, it did,
3: but it didn't. I think, if I remember right, they actually passed a lot more than we anticipated. Okay. Like,
2: actually like, got a shotgun and stuff. So there you are, chasing tight ends. Yep, pretty much. Owen Daniels and yeah. whoever. But, but but all I remember, man, like <laughs> I remember
3: distinctively, though, was I think it was Aaron Foster once again at the morning back. I remember hitting the A-gap, man, coming downhill, I'm like, this feels fun. Like, I I enjoyed it. It was good.
2: Well, it's interesting. Like, this wasn't because – sometimes it's out of necessity. I mean, if you look at the Chargers, what they did, Gus did to Lamar Jackson last year, they played all those defensive backs, Mm -hmm. remember? Yeah. Now, some of that was because so many guys were banged up. Mm -hmm. But also, I think it was a little schematical thing. And so it's not just when you have to hit a panic button and say we need to change things, but sometimes it it is schematic. But that was way off the radar. I mean, you don't normally do that. Mm -hmm. So – um, and again, I think they were forced into that. If I remember correctly, I mean their linebackers were all beat up, and and so they were they yeah. were just playing everybody. But uh, I I just wonder how much you can change. And that was my question to Chris last night. Is like, don't you have to be a little bit careful? Even though everybody outside, kind of back to our original conversation today, is hit the panic button. Don't you have of, of the leadership of that football team to the guys on that football team be a little bit careful? Say hey. We want to tweak because we want to find answers, but we don't want to hit panic and say we can't be anything who we are and what we tried to build. You know, there's a yeah. fine line, and that's what Chris was talking about in that sense. It's like you better not all of a sudden just say, hey, we're going to start practicing now at 7 in the morning.
3: No, you for know? sure. Because
2: we're-, <laughs> we're going to do everything that we've never done before because we're 4 and 6.
3: Yeah, at the end of the day, we're all creatures of habit. But at the same time, if you want to talk schematics and everything, I mean, you can change up the scheme like New England. Changes their scheme up pretty much Just every single every week, week yeah. you know? But you have to have the right guys to do it. And right now, what we've seen from the Jacksonville Jaguars is we've seen a team that lacks discipline. We've seen a team that gives up the big plays. So to throw another wrinkle in that defense,
0: I think it would be an absolute dumpster fire. John
2: Bachman, what's up? Gentlemen. I what think are you eating over there? Lefsa.
0: Lefsa. Austin Lane brought in some good quality Norwegian oh, share. Yeah. Anybody out there from the north knows what we're t- well. Courtesy yep. of you have to be a uh, a mom. You region to understand. Yep. Well
2: actually so it was my mother in law. Mother yeah, mom. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mother in law. Yeah, it's I call mother in law Mill. Really? Uh, is that is that a compliment or is that like a drug toilet or something? I don't know. Know. It's called mother in law. <laughs> okay. Oh, mother in law. Okay, it's you. actually like I don't know. <laughs> this, this was the thing that happened when I got ma- when we got married. Yeah. And it wasn't that I called Steph's parents, but uh you know, that's always the awkward thing, right? Like what do you call the in laws? Yeah. Yeah. Is that somewhat of an awkward thing? Like, what do you call them?
0: I I just call them by their names.
2: Yeah. Well, they're yeah. not mom. You know I mean? Yeah. But you can't... Like, there's a variety oh, yeah. of... Yeah. So now,
0: with kids, it's easier. You just call them grandma.
2: Yeah. it's good but, point. But it's different
0: yeah. when you're, like,
2: the new person in yeah. the family and what yeah. you're supposed to call. Yep. So... My dad came up with just Mill and Phil.
0: Mother in law <laughs> and father in law. So that's what
1: Steph always I'm called not, them. I'm not Steph's mad at always that. Called them I'm and like Phil. that. I'm Especially not mad suggested
0: that. by said Mill and Phil. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That helps. But, uh, I call them other things at times.
3: <laughs> as far as the Norwegian cu- cuisine is concerned, what'd you
2: think about it? Uh, it was. Just okay. whatever. Okay. Well, yeah, it that's... needs a little cinnamon and sugar and, oh, and butter we on go. it. We...
0: A little butter's well, not that's bad. That's but honest, I, can't Austin, I think right we now, can so... both agree that Norwegians are not exactly known for the sadness oh, of their food. <laughs> we we... It's we bland. do not believe in seasoning, It's designed man. to be eaten. Quickly and on a ship for the Vikings. Yes. I was Growing say, designed up a, to designed be you know, eaten in, like, minus 20 degree weather. Yes, and survive <laughs> the worst of conditions
2: yeah.
3: and yeah. still be edible somehow. Growing up at, at my grandma's house, man, like, when she would cook, I mean, every once in a while, you might get some salt and pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's okay, going to yeah. be it. And that's all it. And right? you because you all the flavor is going to be that's in right. the pan. That's, yeah, it, yeah. that's yeah. it. It's, it's not it. going to be in any garlic salt or nothing like nah, No. Salt on special occasions and sometimes pepper. That's right. Yeah, that's it. What you got
2: today, Johnny Box?
0: Well, uh, let's see. What do we have today? Well, I mean, sports wise, I can tell you that there's a big soccer game happening tonight. Well, what do we got tonight? A big soccer match. It's not Creekside and Bartram again. Is it's it? not. It's Bartram and, I believe, Bowls tonight. Bartram and Bowls. Yeah. So that's going to be a big, big, big deal at the Bachman House. Good. That yep. has
2: nothing to do with the uh, Bacano Cup. Oh, is so that what I, we're calling it now? It's <laughs> Cup. Oh, I thought we like,
3: were call it. What was The, the nah, Golden Hog? Wasn't that what nah, we nah,
2: really yeah, came yeah, up with Yeah, Well, yeah, the, the, that's what we're. The Bacano Boar's Head. The Bacchano Boar's Head. Yeah, we're
0: still, we're working, still the, with working, it. working on the final details. I don't, don't really like it. it. I do really like, like, like the Boar's Head
2: sponsorship though. No, I like the Boar's Head part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got to come up with what the look is. I don't really like the Bacchano thing. I don't know if I want to give Weber that kind of credit. He kind of <laughs> combined both of our names. Plus, what? I don't like
0: that John's name's first. I, that's that. what I like about uh, it. He was gonna go with what was it? Was it Brent Brent Bachman or something? And I'm like, no, I like I like Bacano. Yeah, better. Come on,
2: Martman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know
3: what, seeing how I have no allegiance to any of these teams, I'll let uh, so you guys decide. Yeah, because right I can, right can right see now. where this is going
2: right now. and I don't want to be part of, of it. All right, I okay. mean, so, Brickside and Bartram don't even know about it yet. But they're about to find out. No, they don't. They
0: don't. They are about to find out. It's going to be It's gonna be the next great thing. It's going to be a bloodbath here. I it's like going it. to be great. <laughs> uh, and, and, of course, uh, <laughs> Austin and I had an offline discussion that I tweeted about today about the best Led Zeppelin. So that phone's ringing off the hook. Are we supposed to answer that? Nah, that's Kuz's job. Kuz's okay. the screening
3: calls. is fine. Okay.
0: Um, but we we had an offline discussion on the best Led Zeppelin. Would you like to v- weigh in on that, Brent? No. 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 N- Not you wanting. Is that a way to heaven? Sure. Okay. That's what mm, I figured. Basic. Um... But we, we had this discussion, like and we had a couple people weigh in. in.
2: Huh? Yeah, it's, it's up there.
0: Yeah. Which yeah. one? Oh, right. Stairway to
2: Heaven. Is yeah, that like mean, the longest song, song but yeah. yeah,
0: it's a great song, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of whatever. I mean, that's actually not true. Everybody who weighed in weighed in with a song other than that, which I was impressed with. That's because Whoa. the
2: people that jump in on these topics say, I'm too cool to say Stairway to Heaven is the best song. Right, right, right. That's, right. Right. that's fair. Happens. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. And I, and like I mean, you guys.
0: So you guys think you're too cool to I'm that. not too cool. You have to think outside the box. I'm not too I mean, I am too cool. That's true. Austin's you're a right. You true. I'm not cool, so I go with Stairway to Heaven. Well, I mean, that's, cool. yeah, that's fine. I-, I love the song. It's a great song. It's a good song. And you know, it's I digress. Played a lot. It but, has been played a lot. Yeah. That's not. But that that shouldn't disqualify because why was it played a lot? It's a it great, was a great song.
2: song. Yep. So you know. That's like people don't like the like the Piano Man. Billy, uh, they say that will be played oh, too much. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's and that's great song. it is a great a song. Bird, we'll and by the way, Skinner. Billy Joel, one of my, if not my favorite. If you had to pin me down and say who would I listen to over and over again for the rest of my life, if I could listen to only one, it'd probably be Billy Joel. Really? Oh, I no, I don't to pin him
3: down asking that question because that right. was that was gonna happen on Friday. Here's,
0: hey, here's to the question. I'm hey, so hey, so already uncomfortable <laughs> with how much music we've been talking about <laughs> <in the> last, <laughs> last 120 seconds. Trivia, last music trivia question for you, and that is. Did you know that Billy Joel wrote Garth Brooks' Shameless? I did. I, I didn't know
2: that. I thought he actually had. It was his. He wrote. First. He
0: wrote and performed he it. And, perform then, it. And, then, yes. and then Garth actually did, did it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool. Huh? That is pretty cool. And they yeah. both do
2: it very well. They do. Both versions are great. One more question that we can really get off
3: music. Did Chris Gaines wait? So did Garth Brooks write Chris Gaines stuff, or did Chris Gaines write Chris Gaines
2: stuff? Seriously, oh jeez! No, I, I mean, like, I, I did not pay attention to the Chris Gaines. Oh no, you like, just hard, kind of glanced over that kind of little thing. Yeah, it nah, never that, happened. That, if you're a Garth Brooks fan, you pretend that didn't happen. My, my memory of Chris Gaines is kind of like the Jags players' memories of that Sunday <laughs> game, right
0: there. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. Like hey, you know my take. Uh, can we talk the Jags thing real fast? I, I know you guys have heard this thing all day, sure. But you uh, know, I talk about changing things. How about just tackling? Yeah, I mean yeah, the thing th- is, the thing is, you can coach and you can coach and all this other stuff, but I mean, you look at some of these gashes that they had; guys just didn't tackle; they, they just missed them. But how?
2: But how does that happen? Uh, you know, you're getting paid to tackle, and that's your job. And even if you weren't getting paid to tackle, that's your job. And so, yeah. uh, how does so many guys not tackle on on one occasion? You know, i You know, here's the thing: I was thinking of this a little bit last night with Philip Rivers. They put so much on Philip Rivers, in the, even though they have really good players around, but yeah. Philip Rivers controls everything at the line of scrimmage, right? So As a they, lot of quarterbacks do. That's though. fine, but because of the veteran guy, he, there's so much on him. So I was trying to think like, if Philip Rivers is just having a bad day, an off day. Oh, if he apart. sucks that day, mm-hmm. everything falls apart. If he's not there mentally, you know, if he's like, oh crap, you know, which kind of looked like he was. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the way it appeared with the four interceptions. Yeah. So. It, it, it all, Even though they played really well around him in a lot of different areas. I mean, heck, they held Mahomes to 182 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, guys made some plays. Williams makes the catch late. But if Phillip Rivers doesn't do his – that's one guy. And that's the most important position. And they put a lot on him because he's been around for so long and so good. What I don't understand is how you get to the point where the Jags have nine guys. That's yeah, because – I mean, some of these so, big, long you know, runs,
0: you watch two, three, four guys miss – Yep. Blatant tackles. So, so, so here's the issue by going with, too high. By the way, so, that's a whole uh, other story.
3: So here's the issue with it, John. And, and I get it. If you play football, yeah, you should be a good tackler, right? But you still have to practice it, right? And
2: a lot of teams So are, are they not practicing well, The season doesn't thing. allow you to practice it a lot. Let's be yeah. honest now. No, they, exactly. Not like
3: the old days. But let's be honest. There's ways around that. I mean, you bring out the dummies. You can tackle and stuff like that. But the way most teams run, at least teams that I've been on, it's that when you get towards the middle of the season, towards the end of the season, well, then you kind of ease up the reins a little bit because guys are banged up and yeah. you shouldn't know how to tackle it should be muscle memory by that point right well that's the problem when you come off a bye week and you don't address the tackling some guys can get lazy in, in their techniques and fundamentals and that's i think what you saw i think you saw a team that came off a bye week tackling didn't get addressed and you saw it there because let's be honest the whole season tackling really hasn't really been that much of an issue right i mean yeah there's been plays here and there but
0: not not like against the colts and that just tells me that the coaching didn't preach tackling. So you tell me that this was a hiccup rather than a uh, a, a real problem that is uh, deeply embedded in the team. Well, the biggest thing is, where do you go from here, right? Because well, but if it's Dumbarons- just a, if it's just a hiccup, then you, you you shrug it off and go, guys, that, we didn't we didn't tackle. Let's we're going to focus on that this week and next week we're going to be fine. Yeah. But- or if it's really problematic and this is really a symptom of a much larger problem, <laughs> then we got issues. Going forward. From the
3: tackling aspect, it all depends where you go from here because Doug Marone's been the guy who's been the players' coach, right? He's been adamant about he's going to take care of his guys, right? Well, I'll be honest, doing tackling drills on the ground, rolling around. Not fun. And, 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 and once again, I'm playing the violin, like you should yeah. feel sorry for, no. Right. But I'm being honest. I mean, it's, it, it is a physical kind of activity. It's a physical kind of drill and guys don't like doing it, right? So, especially
2: at this point in the season.
3: Especially at this point in the season. So if you're Doug Marone and if, if it's me, I have to address it. How do you address it? You do the tackling, Jules. Yeah, the guys are going to want to do it, but you
0: need, it needs to be done. On the flip side, though, and this is what I say in any business, if you're one of the guys who is tackling and you got five guys around you who aren't, I'd want to be doing that. Because I'd want the guys carrying their weight. It, yeah. you know, same thing in the newsroom. If there's somebody not carrying their weight, I'd like somebody to go and address that and say... Pick it up. We're, you know, we're only as good as our weakest link. Mm -hmm. So I would think that guys in the locker room who are doing that or have that mentality would, would in, you know, encourage this kind of well
3: thing. and it's so ironic because the two things that the jaguars didn't do well on defense well they did a lot of things bad on defense yeah. but, but the two biggest things that i noticed was the fact that they couldn't tackle and the pursuit angles were absolute garbage and when you talk about those two things and tackling pursuit angles those are the two hardest things to do at practice those are the two things that guys do not enjoy doing because the pursuit angles comes from it's literally it's like a cardio drill yeah. Right. it's like conditioning right but you have to do it right so from that perspective if the two hardest things guys weren't doing, well, it kind of shows you maybe the coaches didn't really take it seriously after the bye week. And I have to address it this week
2: in Tennessee. I'm sure the answer uh, I always get on you. It's mm-hmm. like I hear the coaches, coaches, but it's like that's where it goes back to my conversation of their sense of urgency, because here's what will happen. Whether it's the coaches or the players, I guarantee you the Jaguars p- tackle better this week. I guarantee you because they will be focused on it and they will try to stop it and there will be attention to detail on it. And so to me, yes, that is coaching and all that stuff. But it's also the players have to realize that. And to me, what did they not realize? That was an important thing. You knew Indianapolis was going to run the football last week. They knew the game plan going in. Mm-hmm. Jacoby Brissett and four undrafted re- receivers aren't going to beat you. So that's why I just say it can't be all on the coaching there Where the players. They've got to know what they're supposed I, to do. And the bro. emphasis was on explosive plays. So angles or tackling, which one allows more explosive plays? I'm sure both, but, but I mean, one? Honestly, it's it's the same thing. It's it, it's from the same coin. I mean, uh, I can well, argue both tackling, things. They're not getting away. Yeah, uh, you know. But if you're getting and if you're getting
0: angles, they've already missed the tackle. This was thing. explosive
2: plays coming yeah. out of the bye week. That's I, what the talk was, right? And mm-hmm. they gave up like fifty, ten plus yard runs. Sure.
3: Okay, <laughs> but but my point is, you could say this is the focus, but if you're gonna take a test. You have to study for it, right? Like the the Colts game was the test. The biggest study point should have been learning how to tackle and the pursuit angles because that gives up the most points. What I saw on this past Sunday was a team that, and I'm sorry, a team collectively, not just one guy, not just two guys, a team collectively did not tackle correctly and they did not have the right pursuit angles. From that perspective, that's addressed in coaching because how how are you going to pass a test
0: if you don't study for it? And I totally, I I guess that's what... Befuddles me because you've got a team. It's not like this team was seven and two going into this bye week, and they decided to take it off, and we're we're, we're good. It's that they were four and five, and they knew this game was a must win. Yeah. And how do you go into a bye week going ah oh, well you know, let's just not I mean to me it's like this, there should have been a sense of urgency going into this bye week. Oh, that's what I kind of and, preached and, a little bit. Earlier. How is that okay? Yeah, do I don't mean to repeat that, that well, but, no, no, I, no. but yeah. do you
2: feel that as a player? Do you feel like we have got to win? And maybe like, you don't everybody because you're. A Professional,
0: like, I get it. It's more urgent to us as fans, but I guess you know I'm trying to relate this to like what I do for a living, what everybody else out there in the in listening does for a living, and the, and the reality is if you have, let's say, a big presentation coming up, or for us in TV business, it's you know the November ratings period, like you know that that's an important time you are you may not do things in a, a lot differently i mean obviously management has their own opinions and we do do things differently and i'm sure viewers have noticed some of that stuff but personally i'm you know my attention to detail and everything that i do doesn't really change but i'm well aware, aware of the of importance the importance of it and the urgency of it and that is unavoidable it's yeah. unavoidable you walk into this building and it's unavoidable because we know it's important so I don't I'm sure I I can't imagine that that wouldn't be the case But then you watch what happened. You're like, man, I'm not sure if it is. Well, and from the urgency standpoint, you shouldn't preach of how urgent it is to win
3: this game, how important it is. Yes, obviously it's important to win the game. What you should preach is, how do you stop the Colts? Here's what the Colts do very well. We need to be urgent in how to stop them. And I didn't see that from the Jaguars. Well,
2: and one last thing here, okay? This is what it comes down to in my opinion. This is where the whole thing, and we said this yesterday, and we said it a bunch, and one in admiration, and now it's backfired. And that is Marone trusting the players. Marone trusting the football team. Marone, the biggest thing going into last week's game was not, all right, got to tackle, we got to do this. We're healthy. Mm-hmm. We're healthy. We've done everything to get everybody healthy. Now, my, what I've been saying for everybody who wants to say coaches, 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 and I'm okay with you saying coaches, by the way. I'm okay. But I think you at least have to acknowledge that this coach tried to do everything, I believe, to appease the players. And in return, the players have given him two goose, egg, goose eggs here and laid an egg the last two weeks in the most important time of the season. That's got to go on the players to a degree. He's taken care of them, and they've played awful football. Whether there wasn't coached or not, they've still played awful football. We can't even name anybody outside of DJ Chark that played a good game the other day. Yeah, And the players so, didn't reward well, the coach. That's, that's, that's you backfiring. all you need to know
3: right there, though, Brent. If every single player besides DJ Chark didn't play up to their best abilities, it's not just one or two players. It's the entire team. And if the entire team isn't playing up to their best abilities, well, then whose fault is that? I mean, like we, we, I said, people, I don't
2: I'm not t i am saying Marone's thing backfired. So it it yeah. is their fault. His fault. But I do think there's some responsibility on the players to pay back the coach who's trying to take care of you. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean in, yeah. In trusting it, you with the, the team. Look, Alex, Alex, so again, to,
0: go ahead. Well I was Sorry. gonna say getting back to just like the you know, the people listening to us right now or what I do for a living or anything else, you know, you you've got bosses who are trying to put you in the right position to succeed. Hopefully, if you're a good boss. Sometimes they push the wrong buttons. Well, right, or whatever. And and then that's on them, or they don't give you the resources you need to, to succeed, and then that could be on them as well. But ultimately, when you go in and do that presentation, you're either prepared or you're not. You either do a good job at it or you don't. And that is ultimately... On you, yeah, and yeah. and and so uh, that's I, that's the way I look at it. Real quickly, I know hey, you're up what again. What are you prepared for tonight at five on CBS 47 at am and Fox 30 I am preparing very hard. Uh, not actually, because <laughs> I'm sitting here talking to you guys, but I can tell you that uh, there is a a really uh, wild story out of Clay County. A woman uh, disappeared almost a month ago in Clay County. Um, she she hired uh, this guy to do some work on her house. Well, he is now a person of interest in her disappearance, and he has disappeared. Oh, wow. So, uh, Clay County investigators have a lot to sort out. We've done some digging and found out a little bit more about this guy and his past, and we're going to try to also walk people through, uh, you know, how they can do some more digging on contractors before they hire them as well, because, um, you know, we don't know exactly what happened, but. Uh, you gotta be careful when you have some of these folks coming over. And then also, kind of interesting, I know you're real big into downtown development like I am, Brent. Uh, the, the the landing, the demolition is full on. You know, for the longest time, they were pulling stuff out. No, no. Walls and roofs are coming down. Wow. And we're gonna have a live look at five o'clock from Sky Action News Jacks at the progress being made at the demolition of the landing. And it's, Significant. Oh. So it's kind of cool. We I mean, like there's not a lot of things being demolished sometimes. see some cool stuff happening. Yeah. Now at 5 o'clock, they may be done for the day, but you'll be able to get a good look from above as to just how much work they've done already, how much more has to happen. But, uh, you know. I, I thought it was amazing how far they had come along in just a short time. Did, did yeah. anybody see Derrick Henry in the bulldozer yes, at the that's exactly right. <laughs> I think he was just running through the
1: walls oh, yeah. getting ready for the okay. for the game against the Jags. <laughs> Let's hope
2: not. All uh, right, John Bachman, right, to me, he was Mike Borish. Coming up tonight, 5 o'clock, CBS 47, Fox 30, uh, all the way until 7 o'clock tonight. We'll see you down there. Over the Hills, when by the, the way, is the best uh,
0: Led Zeppelin song ever. There Over we, we go. go. Yep, there Let's see go. what James
2: thinks because James has been hanging on line for a oh, while, and then we got to get to a break. James, thanks for hanging around, man. How you doing?
1: All right, how y'all doing? Good, good. All right, I got three things to say. Number one, I'm a diehard Jazz fan. Number two, Tom Walsh needs to run a better defensive scheme. And number three, how in the world we run the ball nine times against the Colts?
2: Those are really good thoughts and really good questions. I appreciate you hanging on the line, listening to the show, James. Thanks very much uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Well, diehard fan, frustrated fan. Uh, no doubt everybody is in town right now. Uh, Todd Wash's scheme. Defensive scheme. That's interesting to me uh, because I go back and forth. On, I told you yesterday I'm about – I think this scheme has shown good things and, and produced good – uh, rankings and moments, and obviously got into an AFC champion. They were led by their defense that year. And I look around the league and I see an Atlanta team that went to the Super Bowl playing that kind of scheme, uh, but then has looked like an eyesore at times. But Seattle the, the has past spent weeks Seattle.
3: been playing on fire, though.
2: I, I see Gus out in in L. A. Mm-hmm. and he holds Mahomes to 182 yards and Aaron Rodgers to the worst game he's had in 15 years in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's got the pluses and minuses. I do think it's a scheme that really needs good players in it, uh, and I mean, any scheme would. Yeah. But I'm yeah. just saying it gets exposed sometimes when you have some weaknesses. So what I said yesterday is I'm about done talking about the scheme. I wouldn't mind seeing a different scheme around here because we've had this scheme around for so long. And yet it, it won you games in 2017. But in the la- in the grand scheme of things, it, it hasn't put you over the mountaintop, hasn't won you consistently enough. And if they were to mix it up and throw it out the window tomorrow, I'd be fine with it. Uh, but I don't know if it's always – Again, I I don't know how much of the scheme is 200 plus yards, and how much of it is the fundamentals of football, whether that is coaching or players.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, but here's the thing though. So obviously, you have what you have on your defense right now, as far as your personnel is concerned, and the scheme for whatever reason this year doesn't seem to be working. You're four and six. You've given up uh, a lot of big games to running backs. You got Derrick Henry coming up. You have Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler coming up. You got Josh Jacobs coming up. And you got to see Marlon Mack again. We'll see if he's healthy or not. If not, I don't think it really matters that offensive line for for the Colts. One yard, Jonathan Williams yeah, coming up. Yeah, exactly. So from that perspective, yeah. If if I'm completely evaluating what I have right now on defense, and I'm looking at the schedule coming up, there has to be something because if you truly believe in your scheme, you keep doing the same things over and over again, and you're not having the results. Well, that's insanity. And it's not necessarily maybe a knock on Todd Wash's scheme. It's just the fact that you don't have the guy. I mean, it's worked before, right? 2017? It worked fine, but you don't have the guys, whether it's because of age and guys are getting older or just the personnel you don't have, you know, you had Telvin Smith leave, whatever the reason is, it's not really working this year. So from that perspective, I think you have to look at yourself a little bit and see like, you know what? I, I'm really passionate about this scheme. This is my baby, but we got to do something else, you know? And we always thought Dom Capers came in for that reason. They have wrinkles now in it. There's no doubt they've
2: done some different things. Yeah, but
3: I'm saying if they stopped the
2: run, we'd be looking at this defense way differently. I think, don't you believe?
3: Yeah, but but who knows that? I mean, yeah, you stopped the run, how are you in the pass game? We don't really know right now because you can't stop the run. Yeah, that's fair. You know, so from that perspective, yeah, I like to think that if there was just passing all the time, it would be better. But that's not what teams are going to beat them with, you know? So if you look at what you got right now, and all the pieces at your disposal, I think you got to throw a different kind of wrinkle, especially on that base defense, because let's be honest, it's not like teams are... Well, the Panthers did this. The Panthers threw a lot of like that gadgetry and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. and confused the Jaguars in the backside. But, dude, the the Colts just ran smash-mouth football.
2: They just said, we're going to run at you, and we're going to be able to do it. That's all it was. And you know what? You. The Tennessee
3: Titans, they run sm- smash-mouth
2: football. They're going to do the same thing. You know? They're going to try. So
3: them. Exactly. They're going to try to. So... I think you gotta kinda of take into that account a little bit and maybe throw some changes out
2: there. And the last one, uh, from James is about the run and we talked at length about it. I, I would think the most difficult guy to be in the building today, uh, today this week is John D. Filippo. I, And And I know, I know Todd Wash's defense gave up 264 yards, mm-hmm. but I believe the one that's getting the evil eye from the head coach, from the running back, from anybody who's from watching the, the from film the offensive line? on the offensive line who had the pass protect 47 times. The, I would think, I mean, you know, do, do you agree with me? I mean, even oh, though I absolutely then, agree with people you. are like, dude, what? And, and again, I think it's important to preface any kind of DeFilippo conversation. And I would tell him this if he was right here. If he listened to the show for the first two months of the season, we applauded him. I like some of the creativity. We're the biggest
3: John D. football fans in town. I
2: yeah. think he did a lot of cool things. I think the way they worked with Minshew, but I thought it just looked different. Their offense felt a little different. They were moving up and down the field. And sure, I, I critic- I remember criticizing him for a couple of second down calls in the red zone. Didn't like him. It seemed like second down was a weird down in the red zone mm. in some of those situations. Obviously you got a little criticism from Fournette on the one play. Yeah. Uh, But this one made no sense. This one made absolutely no sense. This is why you can now draw a little bit of credence to the Zimmer and him breakup in Minnesota, even though Kirk Cousins was throwing seventy percent in four thousand yards, sure this one absolutely this one had the sense of throwing thirty times against well, the Philadelphia Eagles with Blake Bortles, who you know really is not, <laughs> I mean one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yet yeah. they did it in London last year, anyway. And again, I'll say what I said yesterday. That was to me the start of Nathaniel Hackett getting on his way out the door. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not hinting that John DeFilippo. I think D. Filippo overall has done a nice job. It was an awful game plan. It was an awful week for John D. and I think it's a tough week to be in the building for him.
3: And, and here's the problem that I have with John DiFilippo now, is the fact that the best thing that John Filippo does better than anybody that we've we, we've seen in a long time, Brent, and something that I praised him every single week was his ability to utilize the quarterback's strengths and weaknesses, right? Like, I came in here every single day, whether it was a, a win or a loss, and I praised John DiFilippo for being, You know what? Gardner Minshew, six-round quarterback. They're using his strengths, right? Like, they're letting Gardner Minshew succeed. They're not putting it all on Gardner Minshew's shoulders. They're letting, you know, they're using the run game as well, but they're setting him up with nice short to intermediate passes to get him started. Then, as the season progressed, Minshew got more confident and they opened some more things up. Well, with Nick Foles, it just seemed like, you know what? Nick Foles hasn't played in how many games, but I got so much confidence in him that I'm going to take a cold guy off the bench, and I get it, Foles has done that before, but I'm going to take a cold guy off the bench who hasn't played in God knows when and all of a sudden just throw him in the mix and say, go win us a ball game. Like, to me, that's not setting your quarterback who's coming off an injury up for success. And the thing that you're doing so good at now, it's like one of your worst traits in one week.
2: I, yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, let's talk more Jags. I want to get into Lamore Jackson. We'll do a little ball and the phone to involve him because he's been awesome. Uh, and I think it's – we talked about him a little bit last week too, but Lamar Jackson is just uh – is it so good, even though he's technically not playing better, in my opinion, than Russell Wilson and doing what he's doing from an MVP standout yeah. situation? Is it Whoa. so good and so different that Lamar Jackson's doing? And yeah. he is at an MVP level that, that this guy's just going to win the MVP Well, now? I'll tell you what, Coos, during the break, make
3: some calls and get me Lamar Jackson's address because he's got an edible arrangement coming his way because he is the captain of my fantasy team. And it doesn't matter who else I'm playing on my team. I'm not going to lose with Jackson as a quarterback. I
2: have yeah. to tell you, Brent. You better hope he doesn't have some bad weeks in, your, in our play. Good. House, man. Man. that's why that's why that's is MVP in Canada. the playoffs. That's, that's why want won again this week. I'm undefeated. It's so all coming Let's up talk next about on it. ESPN 690.
1: The MVP front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. I'm right here in Be More Outside the Bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that big trust. Woo woo. Lamar Jackson in
0: the flesh. <laughs> yes sir. <laughs> <laughs> no oh era. Oh,
1: I'm New era eight apparel. <laughs>
3: That's right, Brandon, bought my
2: fantasy football team Woo Big trust, come get you some I'm going to drive up to Baltimore right now And meet Mark Ingram outside I'll be out there in <laughs> oh, about 8 hours wait, yeah, Let's make
3: sure the camera's good
2: I'll be All out right. there in about 8 hours, Ingram Okay. I'm going to the Inner Harbor I'm going to have some crab cakes too so, <laughs> big trust. Whoa, whoa.
3: So, remember when you called out Sean Payne, I had your back? Yeah. I'm not going to have your back with Mark Ingram. So, guess what? You're on your own in this one, man.
2: Couple Good with luck that. with that. Something to do with those Saints guys, I guess. Uh, I guess. <laughs> right. Um, I You know, here's one of my favorite things about Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And, what you, and you can see sometimes in sports, but not all the times in sports. Mm-hmm. And that is when you have the players and coaches going over the top to talk about a guy. Sure. Which tells me on the inside, he's probably not talking about himself very much. But there's this super like, holy cow, Hmm. kind of, this is so different, right? Because in your world, when you play professional sports, you see a lot of guys that are, okay, I mean, that guy might be a shade faster. Mm -hmm. That might be a shade stronger. He might have a little better technique. You know, maybe he's a savvy, his IQ, all these little things that they might kind of waver. You know, it's like playing Madden, right? guy might be 96, might be 95. But is there really that much of a difference? It's not noticeable difference. Yeah. But then you get a noticeably different guy. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so different, especially for people who have been there, because now you're comparing Joe Flacco statue in the pocket. Yeah to this guy who is right now revolutionizing the game, it feels like a little bit. So I I, I appreciate that. I can sense that. Yeah, that's what's cool about Ingram. If you listen to John Harbaugh talk in the interviews he's done, I mean he is over the top about him and they don't hide from it. You know, it's not there's something. there's I think kind of an unwritten deal with coaches especially and players mm-hmm. that you've got to be careful to put a guy on the pedestal. Mm-hmm. Well John Harbaugh has not really shied away from doing that. Yeah. He has put Lamar Jackson on this pedestal and the other teammates have followed suit. So I think it's kind of a cool thing from that area going on where we just don't see it very often in sports. I think Mahomes had a little bit of that feel last year.
3: Sure. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy because when we're talking about like like I said, bro, I think this guy is an absolute game changer. And when I reflect on my career and the game changers that I either had a chance to play against or share a locker room with, you know, there are a few and far between. Now, yes, there's been great players. There's Maurice Jones-Drew. I mean, it, dude, I would remember sitting on the bench and like watching him just be, like, yeah, that's that's legit. Chris Johnson, another one. He's Chris Johnson is prime for oh, the yeah. Titans. I mean, he he was almost a noticeable, right? He was almost a game changer, but not quite up there. I mean, two guys really stand out as true game changers when I played. And one was Michael Vick, and it's a guy I talked about a lot. Just because even when he played for the Eagles, and I don't think he was even in his prime then, because he's coming off, you know, all those those charges with the dogfighting things like that. So I'm not sure, like, in a mental state where he was at as a football player. But I'm just saying from what he did on the field, man, like trying to tackle that guy, you know, like trying to bring him down, and then have to worry about his arm as well. It, w- it was a game-changing thing. And the other guy, who's obvious, you know, for many reasons, is a guy I got to meet a little bit was Calvin Johnson. Like, the, the, there was never a guy more in the NFL, Brent, where I looked forward to getting off the field, not because I was getting a break. I looked forward to watching this guy do his thing. And, like, granted, I was only in Detroit for five, six weeks, but, like, I literally made it happen. Like, I would run to the sidelines, get my water, and be like, all right, here we go, Kelvin Johnson show, because you knew it was going to be fireworks. It didn't matter who the defense was. didn't matter who the corner was going to be on him if they're double-teaming him. It didn't matter, man. Like, Kelvin Johnson was just... An absolute beast. So I
2: bet every player you're like, can you throw it to him, please? Yeah, exactly. Throw it to him. I want exactly. to see something, right? Because exactly. you're not a receiver, you're, you yeah. might get it once every but five like, plays. And but-
3: he even made like the crazy catches look routine. It's like, dude, you're six, six, whatever. How are you that fast? Yeah. You know, like, how are you that athletic? I'm six, six. I can't, I can't turn my hips like that. Like, what does he have that I don't? You know, so it's just it was craziness. But now, you know, the, the new era, the modern era of NFL, and two guys. I mean, obviously Patrick Mahomes. I think we can agree he's a game changer, Mm -hmm. right? Because for what he's been able to accomplish so far in such a young career, he's MVP. He's a game changer. But, dude, Lamar Jackson, I mean, it's just – and, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to double down on this. I think that he is changing the way that young kids are going to be playing football or that he's going to be changing the way that people look at the quarterback position. And I get it. The dual-threat quarterback, it's nothing new. It's been going on for a long time. Teams have been doing it. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Teams always do it. But I'm just saying an elite athlete, where usually you'd see him at wide receiver or even running back, an elite athlete with a pretty good arm at the quarterback position, that's the new wave, man, because you know what? They haven't been able to stop it yet.
2: I saw this great illustration, I thought, from Dan Orlowski Mm. the other day. He broke them down, broke some plays down in Baltimore, and I even tweeted at him, and I said this about it. I said... It shows you when he broke this down, if you go back and find it on social sure. media. Yeah. And, and he's basically saying how they utilize their, their big people, their tight ends and their three tight ends. and, oh, and they're then, all physical, and man. Every tight end is physical. Yeah. Whether they match up Ingram by, you know, against a linebacker or mm-hmm. everything. So my point was, you know, Lamar Jackson's been great, but he's not doing it by himself. The coaches have put him in an unbelievable position to be successful as well with the way they've built that team, yeah. the way they utilize their strengths, the way they scheme everything, at mm-hmm. least from this illustration. And yeah. I kind of said to him, I was like, it's almost like hardball and the Baltimore Ravens got the latest edition of Madden. Sure. And nobody else has it yet.
3: Was the illustration, was it the touchdown to Ingram? The yes. the pass? Yes. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, as well. It's the fact that on that pass, dude, like Mark Ingram, he's not a receiving running back. All right. Like when he was in New Orleans, they didn't throw him the ball unless it was a screen, right? But now they're utilizing him in the pass game as well. It's just it's just too many things to worry about. Because either a you have to worry about a physical running attack coming downhill at you, or not you have to worry about Mark Ingram in the pass game. It's just it's a lot of things happening for that defense that's
2: going against them. So Lamar Jackson's your balling, but I don't want to yeah, get off the balling. topic just yet because I want to ask you two things. I still always believe that the NFL is a situational place. The 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 the, ice, the biggest mistake in the history of this franchise, arguably, is picking Brian Anger in the third round <laughs> instead of Russell Wilson, yeah. and that's accurate and and russell wilson may be great and there's a belief that i have though russell wilson would not be the russell wilson we know because the jags offensive line was brutal they were rebuilding they didn't have anything out in seattle while he needed time to grow into who he is today they had this great defense they had marshawn lynch they had pete carroll they had this and they were all set Mm -hmm. and so they fit him in and so that's my point you can disagree or not but that my point is it's situational and so I wonder still if Lamar Jackson came to Jacksonville, if he's in Chicago right now, if he's in other places, if you don't change your offense and your philosophy and you're not willing to do these things that the Baltimore – if you already didn't have a couple of great tight ends Mm -hmm. and you're keeping them and not trading them away, instead you're drafting another one ahead of Lamar Jackson, by the way. Mark Andrews. No, Hayden Hurst. Oh, I'm sorry. They drafted ahead of Lamar Jackson. Okay. Does it work, right? That's My point is, is he – has, is this perfect marriage of situation? I think Mahomes would be really talented anywhere. I think Lamar Jackson would be really good anywhere in terms of his athletic skill set. I just don't know if he'd be an MVP candidate in a lot of places. I don't know if Mahomes would be an MVP candidate last year. I think he'd be good, but I don't know if he'd be MVP guy if he didn't have Andy Reid and didn't sit behind Alex Smith for a year. You see what I mean by situational? No, I, and so uh, I, yeah, so uh, where does Lamar Jackson like Mahomes fits a lot better because the guy's got a rifle arm. He plays more the standard well, way of quarterback. To be Lamar fair, Jackson Mahomes has it.
3: a lot of weapons though too. Mahomes got Kelsey, oh, Tyreek. I mean absolutely. the speed everywhere. And listen I guess if you want to compare it, you look at it like this. If you look at the Los Angeles Rams last year, you would say they had one of the best offenses in the league. Right? And yeah. we were all, everybody was contemplating, you know, they're complimenting the RPO. Like, oh, the RPO is the next big thing. It's yeah. like the new wildcat. Like, no one can stop it. RPO this. RPO that. RPO this. Well, how are the Rams doing now, Brent? Teams have got hit through the game. Yeah. And teams have stopped the RPO. But you know what? It was fresh for a little bit, and it was brand new. Now, I, I know what you're going to say. I know you're going to say. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens offense. It's fresh, and it's new. But to counterpoint that, it's really not. Because what they're doing on offense, this isn't some kind of... revolutionary new thing where, like, wow, we've never seen this before. No, they're running a power run game. They're overloading on the offensive line, saying teams, hey, come match us physically, and you know what? When you do that, we'll take our shots deep. And guess what? We have a very athletic quarterback where, when we do pass, sometimes he can take off and run. Oh, and and on top of that, too, we're running the quarterback option a little bit. You've seen that before, but guess what? When's it going to come? you got to decide that. So, what they're running, it's nothing new. It's just the fact that they're so good at it. They have such a good um, personnel to do it. Where it's like even when teams know it's coming, they can't stop it. So that's why I think it's the real deal. Just because it's not something fresh, not something new. We've seen this before. It's just they have the personnel now Lamar Jackson to
2: do it. Do you think Jags would have the person? Could he be this successful here? I mean, they like the power run. They've got Leonard Fournette. Yeah. They've got some. Rec- they might. They probably have better receivers. Than they Baltimore, have better receivers. Right? Absolutely. And they don't have the tight ends. Though. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean. Would they have had to go buy some tight ends and draft some tight ends to make this work, or would it not work? You know? you know, what, you definitely have to buy some tight
3: ends or go get some tight ends for sure. Because, and I get it. You know, like people hear, they hear Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle, those like, uh, yeah. those aren't household names. Now Mark Andrews is getting there. Yeah, but the other two, it's kind of like nah. But dude, they're 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 viable in the pass game and in the run game, and. That's rare, especially in 2019 for tight ends. And they're all
2: three great run blockers as well. Think about this during the break. Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Oh, man. Uh, Next on ESPN 690. I want to live like a player for a week. I want the 24-hour rule. (laughs) (laughs) That would not be good for the show, probably. But what what if we just talked Jags on Monday? Okay. And then couldn't the rest of the week. Like, that would be our 24-hour rule. What else do we talk about, then? Wrestling? I don't know, but we're getting pretty close to that point anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if they don't well, start winning again, we might be doing that anyway. you are got to start up your wrestling rainbows segment. rainbows packing up. I know, right? One um, hour of wrestling. Yeah. So, now on the, uh, the eighth uh, part of the card on this UFC tilt this weekend... Yeah, the, the prelims. <laughs>
3: you gotta be breaking down prelims, and then we'll, we'll get down to like, you know, some world star fights eventually. Yeah, let's this do is it.
2: this is the fight that starts at two in the afternoon. <laughs> hey, what well, we got
3: doing at four o'clock in the morning because we got a UFC card in Turkey that I think you'd be interested in. Check these numbers out. Yeah, uh,
2: I got you, boy. Uh, all right, we're let's wrap up the thought. You're balling, uh, but i uh, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, yeah. And Patrick Mahomes. I kind of phrase it to you. Who would you rather have? But I yeah. really want to phrase it this way. Who had the better year to this point? This year, no, Last year's Mahomes. Uh, this year's Lamar Jackson. Ooh. What? what who, who? Which one's better? Man. If you had an award, yeah. Because you got to put yourself. Now again, we get prisoners of the moment, right? And mm. we're in Lamar Jackson mode. Sure, but Patrick Mahomes was. Pretty freaking awesome last no, he year. Was, dude, I mean, uh, 50 touchdowns broke and 5,000 yards and, yeah. and all sorts of win the MVP yeah. and really his first full season. Yeah. Um, so, you, no you,
3: look passes. So, you're asking me what quarterback performed better, or what offense performed better? Because there's a difference here.
2: Yeah, I'm talking quarterback. Okay. I, I'm saying, like, which one if, has, if you has, have, has if, a better showing? In, in, in 10 years, and you tell Ronan, mm. say, you wouldn't believe 2018 when Patrick Mahomes was playing quarterback, or you wouldn't believe 2019 yeah. Lamar Jackson playing quarterback. Which one are you it up first?
3: If I'm going to mold my son into an NFL quarterback, because that's what his father expects from him when he's very <laughs> young, whose highlight film am I going to throw on first? You know what? And I get it. I'm living in the moment right now, but I'm also kind of looking at this from an analytical standpoint. You have the Chiefs, you have Tyree Kill. you got Travis Kelsey, you, you had Kareem Hunt, you had other... I mean, I'm just... Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins, thank you. Um, Andy Reid. Andy Reid. I just feel like the Chiefs, and it's not a knock on Patrick Mahomes whatsoever because Patrick Mahomes is amazing. But he's also playing with a lot of amazing talent around him. And I'm not saying the jury's still out on Patrick Mahomes because I think he's one of the best quarterbacks, obviously, in the NFL. But I am curious to see what's going to happen when he gets that big contract. And when they can't afford all those weapons anymore, how does Patrick Mahomes play? Does Patrick Mahomes make the players around him better? Or do they kind of subside a little bit? So that'll be interesting. So I'm taking Lamar Jackson. Just from the standpoint where I can go on the street right now, I can go ask probably Kuz. i let's say name me one of the wide receivers right now for the Baltimore Ravens. Kuz, could you do it? Couldn't do it, right?
5: I don't think I can. I don't have him on my Willie fantasy Sneed. team. Yeah, I, I think
3: Willie Sneed, maybe. I think Miles Boykin's still there. Yeah, uh, Hollywood but, Brown is yeah, the well, name. Of course, yeah. Marquise Brown, too, as well. That's a good call. But my point is, he's doing it with a lot, and I don't say less talent, because they have the talent of what they do really well, but it is more on his shoulders than I think that is his Mahomes. Because, look, the, for instance, when, when Matt Moore came in, the Chiefs, on offense at least, they still competed, right? They're still putting up points and touchdowns. If Lamar Jackson goes down right now and Robert Griffin comes in or Trace McSorley comes in, are you confident that the the Ravens can put up major points? Because I don't think so. That's a good call. Yeah. So I just think with what they ask Lamar Jackson to teams do. They both lose a lot when oh, that guy course, goes down. Of course, without but. a doubt. But I think the system's in place where whoever's the Chiefs quarterback is going to be a lot more successful but the Ravens need Lamar Jackson, so from that standpoint, I'm showing my son Ronan Lamar Jackson footage, and I'm saying, "You better get that forty down to about a four-two by the time you get to high school, and I'll see you in the NFL, son."
2: Obviously, I'm kidding, but not really. That's <laughs> uh, it. You know, I I believe I would still take Mahomes. Yeah. Uh, because maybe because of the way I think of the quarterback position, mm-hmm. and I think although the dual threat nature of it is fine, I. I guess I I don't know I guess I feel like the highlight the no look pass stuff to just airing it out is yeah. how I look at the quarterback position sure. and that's narrow minded because now Lamar Jackson's kind of helping change that and others have too like mm-hmm. the John Watson and and company, um, yeah it, it would be a tough call but I would probably go Patrick Mahomes at this it's stage. It's a great of question. It. Uh, especially that guy so young see i think you can be young and be able to run the football with your athleticism Mm. to be able to be able to see the defenses and to be able to hit the open guy and even though they have a ton of talent i get better but to me that was what amazed me like he never really uh, wavered last year like when were you going to have that kind of not rookie because he wasn't but young guy moment yeah and now i guess that will still be what I'm waiting for a little bit on um Jackson. Mm-hmm. It's like you know me I I feel like all the time people can catch up to you the NFL will eventually catch up to you and what I'm wondering is okay when Bill Belichick potentially sees them again what does that look like? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, Are we sure. going to see that moment and we really never saw that moment. I mean, Bill Belichick and the Patriots did an okay job in the AFC Championship game, but I think they still gave up 31 points. Yeah. And there's everybody, and the, everybody knows that if Mahomes and Kansas City had won the coin flip, they probably would have won the game. Yeah. You know. Correct. And the Patriots got a lot of help because mm-hmm. of the pass. Uh, I mean, the roughing the passer and all that stuff. So. Well. Yeah. I, I mean, again, it's, it's, I mean, I asked the question. It's a tough question. I think at this stage, I'd probably still take Mahomes right now. Um. But I have no problem with
3: your well, answer. Yeah, and this is the thing, right? Because the old question of this would have been who you're taking, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. It's a question that I've been yeah. in debates many, many yeah, times. Yeah. And my argument was always the fact that if you put Aaron Rodgers on any single team, he immediately makes that team better. doesn't matter. But if you put Tom Brady on the Packers when they're struggling on the offensive line, he can't be successful because he's not mobile. So from that standpoint, Tom Brady is the GOAT, hands down. But also, he's a result of the system a little bit. So I, I would actually take Aaron Rodgers over that. But when I break down Patrick Mahomes and I break down Lamar Jackson and I say, you know what? Take the teams out of it. Just put them as quarterbacks in general on any team. And say, there's two minutes left in the game, Brent, you're down by four and you have to leave a, dr- a drive 90 yards to score a touchdown to win the game. Who are you taking? And I can wholeheartedly sit here and say, I don't know. Yeah. Because both guys can beat you in different ways. It's a good you know, call. like, so from that standpoint, literally, I mean, and I know we don't do this a lot, but, I, I'd probably have to be on the fence on this one, man, because I can justify taking both guys as your starting quarterback for, for that drive.
2: Yeah, it's a fun, fun one. That's yeah. a good way to look at it right there. And the difference between Rodgers and Brady to me is always Rodgers will give you that highlight real play. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady's not really giving you highlight real. It's not jumping yeah. out. And she's just so methodical and so good and so consistent yeah. and, and beat you with the mind and then with that fastball that he's got. But these two guys, they are highlight. Re- I mean, they yeah. are the video game era. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, they are. The 100 rating on Madden, Madden yeah, if you can get it. Exactly. I mean, 99. Is it 99 the top one? Yep, correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. 99. I'm cool. I play it all the time. Gold Keith. Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, my ball, uh, real quick. I'm going to give it to the UNF Ospreys. Hit a school record 21 three-pointers yesterday and <sighs> a lopsided win. A the game they should win. They yeah. won four in a row. Their 4-1 starts the best of the D1 era. So nice job, Matthew Driscoll. They have the most three-pointers made in the country in Division One basketball right now. Now the schedule stiffens yeah. up. They go to Iowa on Thursday, and they're on the road, I think, 11 out of the twelve uh, get next 12 games. So uh, it'll be tough from here on out, but it'll be interesting to see if they could seek one in yeah. and kind of pull off one of those upsets that they've done in the past over a Purdue or someone like that. Uh, do they call them the Birds of Trade, by they the way? Do they oh, they they call is, them? Right. That is certainly uh, they living up the to the it right box,
3: But, okay, that's just my thing from Amazon, <laughs> whatever it is what it is. Uh, my Fallen Road quick. So the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Brent, who are one of the best names in all professional sports, Canadian football team, uh, lost by seven points to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when they had the ball on the 10-yard line in in a red zone situation with a couple seconds left. But the way they lost it is the big story of why they're falling, (laughs) because you don't see it a lot. But (laughs) the cornerback of the Rough Riders saw a guy open in the end zone, throws the ball, and, and unfortunately it hits the uprights, bounces off the uprights, and obviously when it touches the uprights in Canadian football, you lose the game. So the ball hits the uprights, game over. And to kind of point the picture at home, the uprights are on the goal line. They're not in the back of the yes, end that's zone. That's right. Yes. That's right.
2: So that's why that happened. I could go with a lot of different fall and say, I mean, you see the Mark Walton story out of Miami. They cut him. The running yeah. back uh, for allegedly hitting uh, is pregnant, uh, a pregnant woman. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so they cut him right away. But really, from a football standpoint, uh, is it safe to wonder? There's no doubt it went through my mind, and it's jumping to conclusions. But as the window closed on Phillip Rivers? I mean that was a that was a, yeah. again I thought their football team played really well and he played bad. He he cost them that game and didn't really give them enough a chance to win. I mean heck their defense got yeah. the ball back 3 times in the final 5 minutes. Say like, go win us this game. And go please. win us the game. They didn't have yeah. great field position but uh, you know even the last throw was a, was looked like a fourth down throw then it did more of a second down throw in that spot with time yeah. left on the clock. I just wonder, and you know, oh. you watch these guys like Mahomes, and you watch even like a Minshew earlier this year, and you watch, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, and you, and then you see some of these old guys mm. trying to break away from the pocket when yeah. they need to scurry, and it's so noticeable. And that was really my takeaway Sunday, I would say this, Nick Foles and this offense kind of look slow in relation to the way Minshew and the offense look. Yeah. And they are, they're slower, that's reality, and, and they've got a lot of different things that they can do well, more so than the other guy. But it certainly crossed my mind that Rivers, uh uh-oh, the window might be done, man. Yeah,
3: and listen, and I get it. If you're an NFL quarterback and you bring passion like he does and you bring the leadership that's important at the quarterback position, same thing with Tom Brady. But at the end of the day, no matter how hard you try to fight it, Brent, Father Time will always be undefeated. And last night, you saw Father Time show his hand a little bit. And I think with Tom Brady, even this season, yes, the Patriots are doing very well. You know, they might be the top spot in the AFC. But Tom Brady's not his usual self
2: either. Their offense isn't. Yeah. I wonder why he wanted Antonio Brown and all those guys yeah. that came in there so yeah. badly and yeah. probably wants to talk Gronk out of retirement Yeah. because they are not that great on offense. And yep. you said the offensive line in New England is shaky.
3: That's a great segue, by the way, because stay in your lane when we come up here in the next couple segments. Gronk's part of it.
2: Ah, very good. We're not done anyway on this show. What the heck is Kuz doing with our video feed? I want to know. That answer comes up after this on ESPN 690.
4: Enjoying your job and working hard aren't mutually exclusive. Right. And that's one thing that people forget when it comes to the game of football. You know, you can see some of these games. It's raining. It might be snowing. Guys have these gritty looks on their face, and they're just out there throwing haymakers. But at the same time, you have to be able to enjoy the work that you do with your units. That's the reason that I can go in there and that I can talk to those guys, and they can talk to me and say, hey, Chris, I need you to pick this up. Hey, I need your help going on with this because we trust each other and because we have that camaraderie.
2: How
3: isn't this guy in office yet? I say it every single time I hear his voice speak, Brent.
2: Well, so legit. here's the deal. This is what I liked about asking Chris Conley about this last night on Jags Report Live. 7 o'clock CBS 47 every Monday night. Come on out and uh, visit with us at Top Golf. Uh, we have about six shows left and, and we have a lot of fun even if the Jags lose. But they had that dancing video of the wide receivers outside the stadium last week at practice, and so yeah. we showed it. First of all, I was like, "What the heck are you doing? Yeah, uh, what is this?" And so they were all stealing Dee, Dee Westbrook's dance. It was supposed to be a one-on-one uh, with Ashland <laughs> Sullivan from Jaguars. dot com, and uh, not the dance, the interview. And uh, but I I flipped that around to be like, you know, fans don't like seeing this kind of stuff. You guys having fun when you lose. Mm. It, it, it's no, like, sure. it, again, I mean, it goes back to really the start of the show, like that disconnect is like we don't know. Well, I thought he had a great answer, you know, in terms of working hard, enjoying your work and, and still. I mean, if you get all tight and you're miserable all the time, how are you supposed to perform in any job? That's yeah. no fun. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your record is at that point. It's no fun. Mm-hmm. Now, it's harder to keep doing that when you lose. But. It's um, still important to do it. Uh, let's go to John right now. He's uh, checking in on Action Sports Jax on ESPN 690. He wants to talk a little bit about the Jags. Brent Martin Austin Lane, Kuz along here on a Tuesday. What's up, man?
0: Hey, man. How you doing?
1: Good. Uh, man, you know, the Jags, man, they had no answer to the Colts. It was, uh, you know, there's no sense of urgency, you know, even though it's a promising week leading up to the game. You know, the team had a golden opportunity. They squandered it within two quarters, you know, uh, there are plenty of negatives, and I'm not sure that there was many positives to take from it.
2: No, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's not. Uh, I, we're trying to say DJ Chark's the only guy that played well in that football mm-hmm. game. It appears um, from coaching to players to heck, even the kicker who's automatic missed a kick and had the 24 uh, consecutive kick streak end as well. What's the fix? Is the bigger thing, man? What concerns concerns you the most?
1: Oh, well, I'm not even sure at this point, man. You know. Doug Marone's playing for his job at this point, you know. He's uh, you know, it's beloved by the players and the media, but you know, the, the fans, the fans are turning on him, man. You know, once you've lost the fans, there's not much coming back from that, you know.
3: John, what's up, man? Austin Lane here. I guess one of the biggest questions that we've been asking on the show is how many games does Doug Marone have to win in order to keep his job, or is it for front office to keep his job? From your perspective, obviously you're a Jaguars fan, you called in the show. How many games would you want to see Doug Marone win? so he can keep his job, or each the point now where no matter how well he does towards the end of the season, you want to see this front office gone?
1: Uh, I think he's got to win five more, to be fair, man. You know, it, it's touch and go at this point, you know. He's got to get a streak of game. Well, we oh, we, we know where that could potentially go.
2: <laughs> That's what I get for asking questions. He should, we should <laughs> kept them on too long. Oh, man. Who's had Who's had a feeling? Had a from feeling? London. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. All right. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of coups, uh, you tried this new thing on the uh, the video stream, this new program. I don't know, but you were excited <laughs> about it. But it also comes with closed captioning. Well, don't, it's called micro-content. Okay, micro-content. Don't close caption that last thing um, <laughs> that we just had on. But yep. what... <laughs> so we put it out there yeah. and it's cool right you kind of clip a, a clip of the show did it in almost real time and it closed caption so i didn't realize that part of it when you were showing me it but it it's like listening it's like Siri is listening to us
5: it's yeah. essentially a push to or the you know the text to talk thing that you have on yeah.
2: your phone yeah. so sometimes she doesn't understand austin is that really what we're getting at I think in general well, it's just a little off. It's like I give it your like chance a chance to take a shot at Austin. By
3: the way, sorry, <laughs> right, man, you're scared. That's all good. But uh, my biggest thing is, listen, I appreciate the love for people saying, yeah, I agree with Austin on the coaches. They should be held accountable. Obviously, I mean, this is pretty, you know, generic stuff. But then there, that was 50%, or that was maybe like 30%. Another 70% or whatever was people making fun of the app that apparently my accent comes through a little bit, or I talk too fast, where the app can't. Distinguish what I'm saying, so I just say like, you know, on the bottom it says, "Yeah, I think Doug Marone needs to be held accountable," but instead that it says a salad or something like <laughs> that, just something completely random yeah. that that makes me lose as a as a media person all credibility because now they're like, did he say accountable or a salad? I, for, I I can't focus on what Austin's saying now because I think he said salad, which makes no sense. This guy's been in the NFL for how long? Is is he okay? So. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess we we should probably proofread these
2: things first, right? I guess. you've been in the NFL for so long. Maybe it does make sense. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. <laughs> uh, so, it, can you close that part off, or do we have to hope that she gets it? the 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 closed well, captioning part comes in correctly.
5: Well, I mean, the closed captioning is a big part of it. No, it is. In terms of that's why really we in want right it. That's right now, Brent. It oh, is. so that's why it is. Yeah, that's a big part of what we want. We just need to get it. Instead of being maybe 60% right, like 100% okay, right. So, I don't know, man. This seems like
2: it will be way more fun if it's not right. Here's what we're now, gonna we do. just got to be careful. It doesn't sound like John. But yeah.
3: No, we're fine. But here's what we're going to do real quick. So, Brent, give me a topic to talk about, and we're going to record this and see if it works this time. And I'm going to s- talk very slow, and I'm going to enunciate all my words. Brent, give me something. Anything. Just, just try this out. Will
2: Foles be better on Sunday?
3: Well, Brent, when we're talking about Nick Foles, he couldn't be much worse than when he played against the Colts. So, yes, I think the optimism should be there because it couldn't get much worse. Now, for Nick Foles to be better, we also need, and here comes a big one, Leonard Fournette to do good in the run game as well. So I think if you feed Leonard Fournette the rock, Foles will also be successful with some good wide receivers at his disposal, even though they're playing the Tennessee Titans and a solid defense.
5: (laughs) I can't wait to see if this works. You 100% are going to lose her at Fournette. I thought, I, know, I, I thought you might.
2: I thought you might lose her at Colts. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, now I'm excited to see, see what it. happens. Yeah. I so there see we go. There you gotta clip go. that out, Kusar, to give you more work. That's fine. Uh, you know what? We could all use a drink. Let's go Happy Hour Horn right now.
3: Happy Hour Horn.
4: The beautiful lady's marching in That's enough for everyone to win. We're gonna make this party the best thing at night This is my favorite place Nothing Ready. will
1: replace, no
4: Nothing. Anything goes Gangsters rolling and face smiling And so oh, I
1: think that yeah. the
4: rhythm, watch
2: Grab a drink, get a shot, tip your star tenders. All right, absolutely. Here and go check out Vita de Louis. A 98 rating recently. Go to com, And I've got another special announcement for you, too. Remember when we were at RV City and, and Yeho and Reposado, the new flavors were coming yeah. out along with Blanco? Well, if you go see Cam at Ponte Vedra Liquors, he is the first liquor store to carry in Yeho and Reposado. And that starts tomorrow. So you okay. can get it in stores. More stores are coming soon, but that's Pontevedra Liquors. Uh, it's next to Winn-Dixie at Solana Road and 3rd Street. So again, more locations coming soon where you can get the new flavors for Vita de Louis. Uh, also one more important note. Is there's a big announcement coming up tomorrow from the folks at Vita de Louis, so we can share that with you tomorrow uh, as well. So, Pontevedra Liquors has uh, añejo and reposado, and uh, it's on sale tomorrow there at uh, next to the Wind Dixie at Solana Road. So, go check out Vita de Louis for locations on where you can get Vita de Louis, and also more merchandise. Uh, go to vitadelouis. dot com. All right. You got a little stay in your lane? Oh, I got the show?
3: stay in your lane, man. Cruise. 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 Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Tom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. See, like, we need to have a cue of when I should come in on this, because there's never really a good time to come in, but it's, it's all, all good. It's all feel, man. Yeah, it is all feel. I'm just going to go with it. So, Brent... In the world of baseball, a big announcement happened today, more specifically because I'm a homer. The Milwaukee Brewers have unveiled their new uniforms and their new logo, or should I say their old logo. And I showed you the logo, and many people will say it's the best logo in sports. It is the famous Milwaukee Brewers glove logo. But there's actually something special to it, which makes it questionably the best logo in sports. Brent, I showed you the logo, and you can get it right. No, I what didn't get so it right. so special about it? Kuz, I'm going to show it to you real quick. you to come in here and see. And then... Cooper, He's not going to
2: get. It. This is a waste of time.
3: Oh, I th- he, he, he might be a hardcore baseball fan. Oh my
2: god, heart. He's not he going to get this. So, he, he wouldn't get it if it was, was a seen new this Brewers logo. logo before.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, dwell on it. I'm going to show the audience at home real quick. It
2: what is what is so special about this logo? The... What, uh, uh, First of all, what is it? Coos, can you go run back and play some music while you... Uh, ju- yeah, no, I'm no, just kidding. Looks- <laughs> what does it look like? <laughs> okay.
3: Coos, <laughs> if, if you were to guess what this was, what would you say it is?
5: Well, it's a glove. Correct. But now, what makes it so special? But it doesn't look like a glove. It looks like a hand. It wait. looks like an M, and then dri- beads hanging it's, over the side. Oh wait! No, you're,
3: you're so close. Beads <laughs> hanging over the side. It's the beads.
5: <laughs> Dre beats like the headphones.
3: Oh, but hey, he's are onto something. You're though. onto something. You're close. You're so it's close. It's an man. M, and what?
5: Come on. Uh, now I'm on. Your screen went away. I can't
2: see you now. You're so close <laughs> that like you're never getting, gonna get it now. I was so excited. You had it. You're not, you're not going to get it now. Okay. I don't see the other one. I see the M, though. Like, he is so close oh that he's not going to get I it. I thought he, he said Beats. He said Beats by Dre. Yeah, like the headphones.
1: It looks like an M in the headphones.
2: Okay, Does the Beats by Dre on the side, right? They have what? They have a... A B. Yeah. Milwaukee Brewers. Oh, M-B. You
3: M-B. There you go.
2: I was actually wondering, they have a B or a D? They have a B? Beats? Yeah, B for, you know... Well, I didn't know if they were for Dre, oh, Dr. Dre. Ah, that's why I, I couldn't gotcha. remember. I
3: couldn't. <laughs> no, you know, that's actually, that, that's fair. That's fair. So, so, But it is a B. It is a B. I yeah. mean, he was so close to that. <laughs> I saw that. I him. was seriously ready to lose my mind. I really was. Hey, that's, it was, that's but, one of the yeah. best
2: things about, you You go to like, uh, I don't know, maybe it's like a, an, an artist mm-hmm. store or a gallery or something. Don't yeah. they have those pictures where you get like stare at it of forever course. and you try to. Like, that, that is one of those games right there with the Milwaukee Brewers. It is logo. one of those
3: games, man. So, yeah, right, that's why it's Pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. So, <sighs> Rob Gronkowski teased a big announcement last night. People were saying, is he coming back? Obviously, Brent, you and I are smarter than that. We knew he wasn't coming back. It was something I thought about, CBD. But Rob Gronkowski has announced, and Brent, this is where you're involved, and Kuz, maybe you're involved as well. Rob Gronkowski has announced the first ever Super Bowl daytime party, taking place, obviously, in Miami Beach from 1 to 7. Here's where you come in, Brent. Can we do the show from Rob Gronkowski's beach party at the Super Bowl?
2: If he'll let us. Why wouldn't he? That Super Bowl day? Uh, good. Hey, that's a good question. (laughs) If it's Super Bowl day, then we'll just do a special show.
3: Yeah. Um, I I have the flyer right here. Something tells
2: me Rob's not going to let us.
3: It's going to be Saturday, February 1st.
2: Oh, that's a Saturday. Okay. So 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 it's during the day? Yeah, during the day. So it's not at night.
3: Not at night. During the day. One till seven.
2: We could do it. We could do a special show Saturday from the Super Bowl. Yeah. Around two o'clock. Sure, or three o'clock. Absolutely. I got a TV show. Usually we'll do an hour special. Oh, I can, I seven. can, I
3: can just take over from there. That's not a big deal.
2: I mean, it'll be off the chain by that time anyway. <laughs> well, so. not anymore because you just said off the chain. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's all good. Now <laughs> hey,
3: you know what? If we're gonna <laughs> hey, act hey, like that, then been I do not be to go to Miami Beach with you. If Brent Martino says off the chain again, I'm not going with him to Miami <laughs> yeah, you Beach. Nope. Okay? No, okay, hey, it's this South is, Beach,
2: by the way. Will you get it right? Oh, uh,
3: whatever <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, neither of
2: you guys are allowed to go. It's, it's
3: Miami Beach. It's like, you look Miami Beach. I'm taking my talents to Miami Beach. I yeah. kind of wish Beach. I did that on
2: purpose. It it would have been awesome. Beach. yeah awesome. Um, Gronk's party. Yeah. I,
5: so what you're I, saying is I should see if Scott can cover, and then I'll be your runner. Let's go. For the day. I honestly,
2: um, careful what you're running down in South Beach. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I really am not cool enough to go to Gronkowski's party. Dude, you
3: don't have to be. Just be
2: yourself, man. You'll be all right. Except not the chain part.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. D- just don't say off the chain. Bro, we can we can make it happen, man.
2: Come on. Be good we got a good environment. Uh, well, listen. Can you make it happen? Get you got any connections? Well, I
3: did party with two of his brothers in New Orleans one time. Well, did so you get their number? I think I actually might have one of
2: them, to tell the truth. Dude, they're, they're wild. But, um... Yeah, let's try to make it happen. Didn't Gronkowski? Did they do like a cruise together or something? Oh Wasn't yeah, that, yeah. Didn't we have that so story
3: like they, they've done it a couple of times. They do like the, the, the party cruise, the Gronkowski's. I was thinking party of that the sea. other day. Should we
2: do that? Should we do, like, a cruise? Remember what we talked about like, where it would just be me rowing a little rowboat while there's, like, a keg of a yeah, yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah. Like, I don't get the cruise thing. I, no, I don't like, get it either. Like, you I, guys on those paddle you know, boats? You know what
3: it was? It was uh, the, the old ball coaster. Spray. It was, didn't
2: Spray oh, have yeah, the Oh, yeah. They were at least – I don't know if they ever did it yet, but they were at least <laughs> pushing it. Yeah. And, yeah, I just – I'm trying to think of, like, who I would really want to hang out with. At sea? And and just go on a cruise. Like, yeah, like, say Zach Brown, because a lot of musicians do it, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Zach Brown, I guess it would be cool to see them in concert, but it's like, that's it. Like, I don't need to yeah. go hang by the pool with Zach Brown, Well, you know? And, like,
3: that was the thing, so there's a, you know, Chris Jericho I mean, wrestler? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Jericho does a Chris Jericho cruise, where they have, like, wrestling oh, matches. I
2: thought your pump, your brakes, by the way, was going to be the... Did you see the back and forth on social media between oh, Tony Khan? D- and I, yeah,
3: I did. Yeah, Tony Khan, Randy Orton. That's gonna be a little tease for tomorrow because we, we gotta talk about that. I was like, what then. is going on dude, here? Tony Khan's coming unhinged, man. He's not having. But he it.
2: won Twitter. It's, oh, they he said did he win won Twitter. Yeah, but like I didn't even know if he won. But he, they
3: said he won. Oh, trust me, dude. I, I don't know if he pulled some analytics out and said if I say this back, it's gonna be <laughs> legit. But yeah, Tony, Tony Khan won Twitter against Randy Orton, yeah. hands down.
2: All right, that's gonna do it. <laughs> I'm going to try to win the night on TV, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Hope you can tune in. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow with some Jags news and and interviews from the locker room.